Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn, a podcast about all things John Byrne. My name is Brian Hughes, and I am here with several great friends of mine and uh, wonderful podcasters. Uh, first, we've got our good friend Tim Elliott. Say hi, Tim. Hello. We have Kurt Greenfield. Good morning, guys. And John Hyatt. Hey, everyone. Sorry that uh, David could not be with us, but as I understand it, he's washing his car with rocks right now. Or his kids are washing his car with rocks. <laughs> oh, One of his Mustangs. I don't think it's going to be pretty. And someone's college fund probably got cut. Anyway, <laughs> we've got a great show planned for you today. And Tim, do you want to let everybody know what we're going to be doing? Uh, I'd be happy to. We are going to continue our coverage of John Burns. Fan work, uh, X Men Elsewhen. Uh, I know it's been, uh, oh, it's been about ten episodes. I think we've since we've covered this because we've had some uh, Acts of Vengeance and some Phoenix stuff in there. But days of future past be covering, and all that kind days of, of future too, past. Yeah. That would, yeah. So, uh, so if you've been, you might need to go back if you're going to listen to this and refresh yourself with uh, the last thing we covered was issue, I think sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. So. This episode, we're going to cover 19 and 20. Uh, and at the time of recording, I think, Brian, you said he is up to issue 24. So there's still a lot of stuff for us to cover. Um, but I think before we get into uh, his uh, his version of the X-Men, we're going to try to catch up on some email because we've been uh, neglectful of our, our lovely listeners. Well, we've been and, catching up some on the, on the regular show. Yeah. I mean, obviously, cocktails and comics, we're not doing it there, but we've been catching up. And, you know, we have a lot a lot of emails from Rick Sheffield, uh, also known as Nigel Spink. I'd really yeah. like to know where that name comes from. That's, <laughs> that's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, do you want to get that first email? Yeah. Uh, speaking of yeah. Nigel, I'm going to read. Uh, he wrote his back. Now, this is, you know, back in April. Again, we're trying to uh, we're, we're, we're catching up. And it's uh, concerning the Dark Phoenix saga we covered. Yeah, and just, uh, and just goes, so you guys know that, that he discovered our podcast, I think, sometime last year. And he has been going through every single episode. And as he's been getting to them, you know, the, the ones that resonate with him, he's been writing to us about them. So it's kind of like a trip down memory lane. And mm -hmm. so now he's caught up to, you know, the, the Dark Phoenix saga. And, you know, as you guys might remember, that's when really our group as it is now kind of gelled together. Um, mm -hmm. as, as we brought, you know, the, the interns in to help us with some of the heavy lifting there and, uh, really cemented the way the show's going right now. So, but here Much we go. Much like Xavier, we recruited them and now they are, uh, <laughs> like our X-Men. They're the Alpha, oh. they're, we're Alpha Flight and they are 
Beta Flight. I am not Gamma Flight. Gamma Flight. Or the alt int. You never know. If see the thing is for X Men, then one of us has got to shave our head. Wait, Tim, don't you already shave your head? I already shaved my head because so my wife yeah. won't let me shave my head. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not my going wife, there. my wife, and I don't shave it. Shave it. I cut it like super close, but I don't like to razor it because I don't feel like shaving my head. Well, I've lost all most of my hair anyway, so you know. yeah. I know that's why I, I, I cut mine close. All right. Anyway, do you want to? All right. Yeah. I will, yes. This is uh, entitled Dark Phoenix Saga, as it says, from Nigel Spinks, a.k.a. Rick Sheffield. And it starts, Dear Brian, Tim, John, and David. Sorry, Kirk. Okay. Uh, finally got around to listening to your podcast covering X-Men 135 to 137, The Dark Phoenix Saga. Thus far, I have listened to the coverage of issues 135 and 136, so I thought I would share one or two things with you. I haven't actually read these issues in quite a long time, it was good to view them once more, and it brought back memories for me to how it felt reading them originally. At the time, I would have been around 21 years old, uh, and when the story with the Hellfire Club and Kitty Pride and Dazzler started with issue 129. This was my favorite title at the time, and with great writing and uh, artwork m- month after month. The X-Men had been one of the f- first titles I had read on a regular basis from being around nine years old. Cyclops and Marvel Girl uh, always being my favorite couple among superheroes. I felt for these two characters, so my emotions throughout the burn run were like being on a roller coaster. I especially liked the way Claremont and Burns' stories would segue from one one to the next without stopping to rest, reminiscent of the classic Lee Kirby Fantastic Four stories of the 60s, in a style Byrne would, would use again when he took over FF. And so I understand on, why... And on Elswin. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely. So I, uh, he continues. So I understand why you opt to start from after the Hellfire Club battle, even though in truth the action never stopped. I agree with the comments you all made about how Jean looked when transformed into the sinister Dark Phoenix. The artwork was impressive throughout, though I felt on looking at it again after all these years, it lost uh, some of its impact due to the size and number of panels on most of the pages in issue 135. Hmm. After Jean destroyed the Dabari homeworld and the Shi'ar Star Cruiser, I thought maybe she would decide that she could no longer live on Earth anymore and would leave for the infinite depths of space. I also wondered if Silver Surfer might be given an effective role to play in these events. Uh, waiting a whole month for sub- subsequent issues was frustrating but it gave the reader more time to imagine and hope what uh, might happen next. Issue 136 was excellent from the cover picture to the inside splash page. I've forgotten how fabulous that was. The meeting with the family and the subsequent battle with her comrades and friends as they fought to save Jean from the dark force that had taken over. When Professor X finally uh, managed to release Jean from Phoenix and she reads Cyclops' thoughts of wedding vows. Uh, I would have, I could have, I could have shed a tear. Oh, I could have shed a tear. Everything was going to be okay, but good guys, the good guys had won, but then they all disappeared. What the hell? <laughs> I was so uh, I was so happy. I'd forgotten all about the Shi'ar and, the, and Lelandra. Now I was really worried. I had a bad feeling about this. You guys were going uh, page by page through issue 136. I noticed something which nobody commented on at the time. Page three, top left panel, with Lulandra <laughs> and Sordid Galactic Ambassadors, did anyone notice the Xenomorph from Alien in the cor- in the bottom right corner? 
I don't think we did. I look forward to the next two podcasts covering issue 137. Rick Sheffield. And nice it, email, right? I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I thought that someone had mentioned something like that. But, again, there was other things that you pop, uh, uh, pointed out, like the alien from, uh, was it Ringworld, uh, Larry Niven's books? Ringworld, yeah, yeah. The, the engineer or whatever they're called. He puts those in there a lot. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, I, again, I'm going to have to go back and take a look at some point here and uh, see, if, see if I can see that down the bottom right. This was a line. period when uh, Austin was dropping in little characters in crowd scenes like Popeye, the yeah. uh, the Joker, uh, the the uh, Phantom Stranger. Yeah. So it's probably there. Uh, okay. I'd like to go look it up. So too. I'm going to hit you guys with some alternate trivia. Can you tell me what creature or, or, or uh, famous character Todd McFarlane would insert into his artwork? Spawn. Uh, that, that he didn't create. Oh, <laughs> you don't know? Nobody knows. Uh, no, because he was doing it even on the Spider-Man titles. Um, I'm not very familiar with his work, so I I wouldn't know. It was Felix the Cat. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the image on 137 right now, and and I just can't. Make out the back. I mean, the the, the uh, copy I'm looking at on my computer is not a real good digital. It's a scan from one of the original books, so it's very hard to make out. I'd have to pull out the trade to really get a good pull. Up, pull out your uh, your omnibus because that's oversized and it's mm-hmm. probably cleaned up. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, well, let, well, then Rick is Rick is giving us as, homework. Then. As David would say, "Hey, no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me go ahead and read his next one. Uh, this one is titled. Phoenix Saga, X-Men 137, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 58. Hello, third-degree burden members. Here are my reactions and memories to the double-sized issue, X-Men 137. I read this in 1980 as it came out, and I can only agree that my feelings were much the same as some of you guys in the outcome. It made me feel sad and angry that Jean inevitably had to die. As I recall, although my memory could be playing tricks on me here... I'd somehow found out either by reading something or by being told by someone at my comic shop that Gene would be killed before the issue came out. Yet, as I read it, as I re- read through it, and the story unfolded, I still hoped beyond hope that the X-Men would succeed and save her. It was a real tragedy, made worse when Cyclops left the following issue. The issue itself had fabulous artwork from Byrne and Austin. The cover was spectacular, featuring the two disheveled heroes making their gallant but futile last stand. Backed into a corner by fighting to the end, and no sign of Dark Phoenix anywhere. The picture only marred by that yellow banner advert across the top, stating the issue could be worth $2,500. Amen. Maybe maybe one day it might be, but until then, it's just damned annoying. (laughs) LOL. Point of interest... I, too, had never noticed the 500 in the rubble at the bottom of page 32 until you pointed it out. If I had, I would not have known the significance. But, yeah, I can't believe I missed it. On page 16, where Cyclops is talking to Angel with the other X-Men behind him, there is some doubt about if Byrne actually drew Angel and some of the background characters. In Phoenix, the untold story, Angel is actually replaced with Gladiator, and that is definitely not Byrne's work. Gladiator looks awful. i got to agree with that. Also, I'd never realized that there was so much dialogue between the two versions. Uh, dialogue changed between the two versions. 
I think originally I perhaps only read the conclusion part of the untold story version and assumed all the rest was exactly the same. So this podcast was certainly enlightening to me. I recently just listened to episode 17 covering Spectacular Spider-Man number 58. I enjoyed Tim and Brian's recounting of the issue, which is great artwork and fun story. I collected Spectacular Spider-Man back in the day from around issue 40-41 to issue 96. Now this is funny myself because uh, I started at issue 39. I think that's the one where Peter's turned into the lizard himself. Anyway, but this issue is the only one I still own, other than Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man Essentials Volume 1. During your discussion of this story, you seemed unsure of the Beatles' early history of appearances. Now, I know this is an old podcast, and some listeners are probably giving you this information, or you looked it up yourselves, but just for the record, the Beatle, Abner Jenkins, first appeared in Strange Tales number 123, where he fought the Torch and Thang. He then appeared in Spider-Man number 21, which guest starred the Torch. Not long after that, he was in Avengers 27-28, working for the Collector. And he also appeared in Daredevil 33 and 34. The Beatles also fought against several other heroes over the years, so I didn't tend to think of him as one, as one hero's villain. And with that, I've just about caught up with my back podcast listening. I'm ready and looking forward to your next podcast covering Days of Future Past. Thanks, as always, Rick Sheffield. Thanks once again, Rick, for you know, kind of running us down memory lane, actually, because you know, thinking about the past shows and stuff, I was like. Uh, I was trying to remember which which Peter Parker that was because I know we did um, the one with the ringer and that was the one you're talking yeah. about and then there was the I, uh, there was the other Spider-Man books when we did Chapter One and I guess the other one was Amazing Spider-Man wasn't it or was it just adjective? I don't think we've, I don't think we've done an Amazing we haven't we just had Spider-Man we have not done yeah it was, it was just adjectiveless okay yeah so yeah and yeah that's uh, hmm interesting anyway and the Beatles. This is I don't know if this is trivia or not, but the the what he was talking about the beetle. Mm-hmm. I thought about this. Did you notice that you know in the in the old versions of the beetle he had these big like sucker hands, yes. like three fingers. I had those issues notice? of Daredevil. I had them. Yeah. and I sold them, <laughs> and I am so regretting that now. Uh, in yeah. uh, Avengers, um, uh, not in game, but. Uh, Jeez, I'm, I'm blanking on the the part one. Um, Infinity, Infinity War? War, yeah. Infinity War. When Stark is on the big circular donut ship, yeah. at one point he changes his armor into these big like sucker things to hold on to. I think the thing. Yeah. And that had to be a callback to the Beetle because he had the same three fingered thing. Huh. You know, I, I didn't even kind think of about that. I'll have to go back and look at that. Yeah. Hmm. So, John, did you get the email I sent you? I did. Were we ready for it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This email is from Jason Lady. I discovered Third Degree Burn through the Big Acts of Vengeance event you and other podcasts are teaming up for right now, and I'm enjoying it. John Byrne wrote and or drew some of my favorite comics, so it's cool to hear his work getting attention and commentary. I just listened to your podcast on Avengers West Coast 55. And I just got a couple of things to point out. One, you guys were wondering why the Falcon is there. At this point in the continuity, he's Reserve Avenger, and he appeared right before this in Avengers 312, written by Byrne, helping in the fight against Freedom Force. I don't think they go out and state why he's there, but the implication is that he's a New York City-based hero, and team and the team is calling in all the help they can get. 
Yeah, because that was right after Hydro Base went under, right? And so the um, that was uh, it, I think Tim and I were doing a show with Gene Hendricks where we looked at the other acts of vengeance that were done by Paul Ryan. Yeah, because it had yeah, it had uh, Quasar in it and Freedom Force. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's good too. You praised the cover and noted how some of the panels inside the issue are replicated on the cover. Unless I missed it, you didn't talk about how odd the cover is. That it's almost like Byrne or someone else traced or copied pieces of interior art and amalgamated them together to make a cover ingenious or a desperate move <laughs> to avoid a tight deadline. Thoughts? You guys? Well, yeah, I'd have to look at the cover again. You know, the thing is, is like I, I, I never think of anything that Burns doing is in any way, form, or fashion trying to meet a deadline. The man is just a work machine, and he's never had any deadline troubles at all that were caused by him over the course of his career. And we're talking, you know, forty years. So yeah, yeah whenever people bring that up I'm, I'm always like eh, yeah, this is not what it is I mean you can call it rushed or whatever that's not not what I see it is he draws incredibly fast if you watch any of the the YouTube videos of him his pencil is so quick so sure and just um, yeah, I, I mean just amazingly fast other artists can't keep up with it and that's you know that's why other artists have so many deadline troubles um I gotta go back and look at that cover. That was a West Coast Fifty Five, right? Yes. But uh, go ahead. I'm gonna take a look at that while you go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Also, I listen. I listen to a lot of different podcasts, and yours is the only one that plays music underneath while you talk. I don't think you guys need this music in the intro and the outro. Sure, but the stuff you're saying is great, and it doesn't need musical accompaniment distracts from the stuff you're saying and also gets repetitive, making the podcast, a diff- the podcast a difficult listen, at least for me. I think you can drop it and just let us listen to what you're saying. That's my two cents for what it's worth. Thanks for the entertaining work, and I look forward to listening to more. Take care, Jason Lady. Thank you. He's, yeah. he's got a point. Yeah, and, and, he does and, have and a point we, we talked about this recently, and so you, you, you're going to find the musical inserts are going to be a lot different than than what they were before. So um, I don't even know. I don't think you're hearing music right now. I know I'm not. <laughs> well, we, that was something we didn't do, and then I think we started doing it because uh, before we, I would when I would do it, I would only put music in during the synopsis because that's kind of like storytelling. Yes, yes. And then the rest of it, I didn't put. You know, we had the intro song, and then we would have maybe an outro stinger or something, but. Then we kind of started putting it on everything, I think because some other podcast was doing it, or uh, I know Honeywell does it on some of his, like, his, he would put, like, Star Trek sounds yeah, throughout yeah. the whole the whole episode. Oh, I always I enjoy think, the Star Trek sounds. They're rather comforting when I'm listening to those kinds of podcasts, but <laughs> I'm starting to hear that other people don't like it as much. Yeah. So, you know, it definitely, um, you know, it, it's, it's a... For us, it's a learning, you know, thing, all process, all the time, and we definitely need, you know, the feedback, and we re- really appreciate the feedback. So we, we take it, you know, to to heart and uh, incorporate what we can. Yeah, and, and it, think, uh, to what he said, yeah, that was it. It, it you can tell that Byrne took the image from uh, page twenty four, 
and put it, you know, in there. And that's the, the, the scene where Loki and Thor are facing off against each other. And then he's got uh, other images of the Avengers down below, you know, Captain America and, and Hawkeye and Mockingbird fighting against um, the creatures and the Wasp also. Um, yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, you can tell that he took the exact image uh, from the story and um, put it put it in there. Um, so, I, I, you know, it, maybe it was just because, I mean, it's so dynamic and so uh, reminiscent of a Kirby image from way back that, uh, I mean, it just seems so perfect to be there on the front cover as well as in the book. So I, I, I don't, you know, begrudge him anything for that. Um, but you know, again, that's, that's what that was. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Cool. It's a nice cover. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> it's really, it's, it's, it's one that will say, pick me up off the stand and buy me. Yep. Now, uh, and then Kirk, don't you have some feedback also? Yes, I do. Uh, these are rather short. Uh, this came in through a back channel. I happen to be, uh, friends with professor Alan Middleton um, to make a long story short, he and I lived in the same town and were frequenting the same comic shop. So visually we knew each other, although we never really interacted with each other. So he sent some feedback that I'm going to share. I don't know that he intended this to be uh, shared, but I'm going to. This is back from May of uh, May 18th of 2020 and wow. his first of two messages. Uh, basically, their text messages says, been enjoying your work on the John Byrne podcast, by the way. And then just recently, uh, July 12th, he sent another one that says, Hey, it's been a while since I reiterated this, but continued solid work with the John Byrne Show. So I take that as a compliment for all of us, and I just wanted to share that. That was very nice of him, and a tip of the hat to Professor Allen. Yeah, thank you very much, Professor Allen. And uh, who knows, maybe one day we'll get you on here to talk about something that grabs your fancy. Um, doom, doom. He's a big doom fan. Oh wow! He's take so, a uh, a quarter book and we'll cover it. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I'd love that. I'd love that. Um, there was something else I wanted to cover before we got. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I went and was checking iTunes or Apple Podcast, and we don't have any new reviews there. Please, right now, stop. Go to to iTunes, Apple Podcast. And give us a review on there. We'd prefer a five-star review, but whatever you decide to give us, give us. Tell us what you think about what we're doing. The, uh, as many more reviews as we can get out there, the more exposure that we get to people that don't even know we exist. And believe me, there are a lot of people out there that have no idea that we exist. So please, take a moment. Give us a, a review there on, on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, and um, we'll be forever in your debt. We'll, yeah, we'll with never... every five star review, you get a free tote bag. What tote bag? What? <laughs> you were you were sounding you like you weren't a, told. Uh, you were sounding like a uh, a Channel Thirteen. I'm gonna have uh, to run out to like Winco or something <laughs> and grab some tote bags. <laughs> anyway, uh, so you know, as, as we as we said earlier, we're going to be covering two issues of X Men Elsewhere, the John Byrne fan fiction that he's been publishing on his website. Um, and, you know, just uh, if we hadn't mentioned it before, uh, Tim O'Neill, who's like the webmaster of John Burns Forum, has put a link directly on the main page of burnrobotics.com up at the top left that says X-Men Also End Link. So you can just click that and it will take you to the fan fiction section. 
Now, if you haven't read it from the beginning, you have to, you know, go in there and change the uh, date range uh, in there so it'll go back to the previous year uh, because uh, it basically is typically going to show the current year. Now, uh, Tim, you're going to be covering issues, what, 19 and 20, is that 19 correct? and 20. So you can go out there, you can, find, you can find his X-Men Elsewhere free fanfic, 19, and there's two pages worth of it. Or if you're one of those people that goes out to the other groups uh, where you download the whole thing as a PDF, a CBR, or what have you, um, but you can pull it up and follow along. All yep. right, Tim, take it away. All right, let me uh, write down a note here. All right, this is my handwritten synopsis because you can't find these on... Uh, I can't be lazy because uh, there are no synopsis online, so I was up to the wee hours last night writing this. So, Were, were, you, were you on college-ruled uh, notepad there, Tim? No, I was, uh, I was doing it in Word. Way I do my synopsis, I'll look at the issue. I've kind of already read it. Then I'll go and I'll kind of go by scene by scene. So I'll kind of read a page or two. And I'll write it, and then I'll, you know, so I don't. Otherwise, I get especially in these issues, I get lost as to what's going on because he jumps back and forth so much. You, you know, when I was uh, a little kid, my my dad would make a comment about the wee hours of the night, one way or another. And I always <laughs> wonder what the wee hours of the night are, until I reached middle age, and then I realized the wee hours of the night are the, the hours that men have to get up and go wee. <laughs> oh, that I've never heard of that. I always thought it was the single digit, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Those are the wee hours of the morning. Well, those yeah. are the hours we typically have to get up and go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not taking that from any literary source, Kirk. I'm just making an assumption. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Right. I'll shut up now. <laughs> All right. We are going with issue else, X-Men Elseman number 19. Uh, of course, this is a complete John Byrne works. He is writer, artist, cover artist, editor. He does everything. Nobody else is doing This is all pencils. There are no inks. There are no outside interferences. It's everything. Pictures and words by John Byrne. Uh, X-Men number 19, titled Nothing Similar is the Same. We open on the town that never sleeps. A confused Kurt Wagner, a.k.a. Nightcrawler, is hiding from Spider-Man, who he eluded... See issue 17. Our X-Men still has gaps in his memory. He needs answers and heads to the X-Mansion. An exhausted teleporter arrives to find the school in ruins, and before, he, and before he can investigate, the evil universe angel attacks him with his energy sword. Cut to the Watcher as he peers back through time and alternate universes. He watches the growing romance between the man who will become Cyclops and Wanda, the Scarlet Witch. Her brother Pietro barges in and attacks his father Magneto. He does not like the relationship between Scott and Wanda. Magneto chastises the speedster and tells him to calm his temper and be glad he is part of his grand scheme. He tells him soon Wanda will be replaced by Jean Grey. Cut to the home of John and Elaine Grey. You see, in this universe, the X-Men never formed and Magneto, posing as Charles Xavier, comes to, comes to, a calling, comes to calling to recruit Jean. After a delightful chat over tea, Magneto has his young protege Scott murder Jean's parents and they leave with the young girl. Cut to our universe and the present. Mirror Universe Angel, 
and Magneto are gloating over the unconscious Kurt as Prime Universe Scott and Jane look on. His angel flies off with Kurt. Prime Scott blasts him, forcing him to drop the blue fur mutant. Jane grabs him with her telekinesis as Prime Scott blasts Mirror Magneto. No effect against his magnetic, but no effect against his magnetic shields. Prime Scott is then blasted by Mirror Scott. Scott and Jane, uh, John and John, Scott and Jane meet and verbally fence with their counterparts. There is no love lost between them, and before Mirror Magneto can eliminate them, Jane opens Scott's visor and blasts them. We cut to Prime Xavier in the basement of the X-Mansion. Xavier is hit with a blast of psychic energy as Gladiator bursts through the floor with a sphere of Earth. See issue 18. Gladiator heads into space before Storm can follow. Suddenly, Mirror Beast attacks Charles. A stunned Xavier is dumped into the room with Joff, Terry, and her daughter, Ashley, Carla and her son, Pablo, and a docile Wolverine. He is still suffering from brain damage. See previous issues. Pablo and Ashley link powers, and they dislocate Mirror Beast's shoulders. As soon as young mutants save the day, they have their heads bonked together and slumped to the floor. Mirror Magneto enters the room. He, uh, a now-enraged Wolverine launches at Magneto, at Magneto, only to be brushed aside as Pablo awakens. Cut to Earth orbit. A restored Landra is studied by the medical robots. See issue 18. Gladiator approaches the ship with a sphere of Earth containing the beings known as Astra and Kitty Pride. Scans show the two have merged into a new life form. Cut to X-Mansion. Storm is being attacked by Mirror Iceman. She falls to the attack just as he goes in for the kill. Ice, uh, Prime Iceman attacks. To be continued. Excellent. Now that was, I know it sounds confusing because there's a lot of cutting back and forth. Yeah, there is. And it's and it's hard when you're doing because it's you know I so I start referring to everybody as you know Prime Universe, which is six one six universe. Then the Mirror Universe is obviously the the, are the evil doppelgangers. Yeah, you know this the, uh, this issue did jump back and forth, but I got to tell you that as this was coming out day to day, I was excited every day to to really get in and see what was going to happen. This this alt X Men story that's going on was so fresh and you know different than any of the things that he'd been covering over the last couple of years that um, it, it was just a, a fresh a fresh excuse me a breath of fresh air that uh, you know he needed to put into his story and and seeing these alternate versions being bloodthirsty was really kind of unsettling but cool very unsettling <laughs> yeah. well do we want to do I want to go ahead and do 20 or just want to cover this issue and then we'll go into 20? Yes, cover the issue and then do 20. Yeah. That way okay. the synopsis is fresh for us. Cool. You know, the first thing I'll say about the, the very first page, Nightcrawler, you know, up against the wall, and of course he's just in, I guess, his boxers, um, is that I like how Burns got the, the shadow reversed so that the areas that would typically be covered by sunlight are the ones that are in shadow, and the areas that would need normally be in relief are the ones that are brighter. Because they, that's also what's done with Nightcrawler's face, and apparently is part of that mutant power that makes him invisible whenever in shadow. Yeah, we, we talked about that. that uh, that's just something that, Burn's, that, that Burn is doing that I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, and there's a little bit in this issue... And the next, that he kind of over explains things. Yeah. He feels the need to 
explain something that I feel doesn't need to be explained. But yeah, and that's our last Spider-Man. There, we're not going to see Spider-Man for uh, any more. In- Spider-Man? Yeah, no more Spider-Man. Well, Neil Spider-Man, but <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Now, I got a question. On, on of, that splash page, yeah. I got something very small. Uh, on the half of the page where Spider-Man's flying by, look at the address for the building that he's going past. 378. It looks, I'm thinking it says 1987. Well, that's down, yeah, down below, and then up above, right under his feet, is yes, three, you're right. yeah, 378 there, but yeah. No, I was thinking down on the bottom, that's the date. Uh, was that not the date when this was supposed to be taking place? No. No, this is Sorry. this is taking place modern day. What Burns said. Oh, you're right. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. never mind. But and, and the thing is, no, that's an actual street address, and I haven't tried to pull it up yet to see exactly what it is. But that that's an actual Manhattan address. Okay. And uh, what I find interesting is that if you look to the left of Spider Man, it's not um, grid. I mean, there are grid lines right there, but there's also like an outline of a building that you don't get filled in. Right. To the upper left there. Is is that a water tower on the top of that one, or is that mm-hmm. an air, yes, that's air very handle? common? Yeah, and then, but then the other building's just not uh, not fleshed out. Oh yeah, water towers were a staple of yeah of uh, New York uh, marble. Okay, well that's I mean that's really cool. And then of course you know there's all the people there, and you know they're, they're they all have their own different looks and everything. I guess it might yeah. be either fall or spring because everybody's uh, wearing coats, jackets, and caps. Well, it's it's hard because the, the the rest of the guys don't seem like. I mean, of course, Kurt's just in a, um, and I don't think those are his boxers. He was in a. Remember, in the previous issue, he was in a uh, hospital gown. A hospital gown that he teleported out of. So I think he's found a pair of shorts somewhere. Ah. Uh, because they look like those are buttons, so I don't think I think those are just some he's he stole some shorts or something. I so think not, they're his. So he's not starters. The, the next page, he's uh, the tail is coming out of the middle of oh, the. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. The shorts. The tail's coming out. So, so well, that's he was wearing his his boxers with his hospital gown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for those if they haven't been catching up, the you know this is kind of a storyline that. Was in the the came all the he's way still from recovering the storyline yeah yeah the Sentinel story yeah he's picking up a storyline from at least ten or more issues ago uh, and he's so that's why he's he's confused he doesn't he's kind of been in a coma well, and then, with some um, of the other X-Men. you know he was in an explosion explosion that supposedly killed Amanda Sefton his girlfriend yeah and you know and we don't know for sure he, he mistakenly blamed Spider Man for that so they had their little back and forth and he finally basically escaped from Spider-Man and this is yeah, him it's just trying to put things together well, it's interesting that on page 2 he says my instinct tells me he was the one responsible but uh, I could be incorrect but they've had experiences with, with Spider-Man already so he should know that Spider-Man is not would not be responsible right? I, mean, I think, right. It's, I think right. it is Burn basically you know, doing the flip of that coin you know, here's Nightcrawler, the bizarre-looking mutant that everybody, you know, immediately thinks, you know, regular humans will look at and think that he's de- a de- demon or devil or something evil. And, and you know, he, he's upset, of course, about all the prejudices, but there he's got a prejudice against Spider-Man because there's something he's a spider. you know, telling him that, that Spidey's guilty of something. It's I, I, I think that's what he's trying to do there. I could be wrong, though. 
But it, 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 it's if, if you sit there and think about it like that, it's kind of funny. It, it kind of is. It just seems like he's. They've had experiences with Spider Man, so he should know that Spider Man is not that type. But yeah, I, get yeah, it, I agree with you, John. I think to this point they've had the team up, or the not the team up, but the two issues where they dealt with the Punisher way mm-hmm. back in uh, the early of, of the issues of Spider Man. Wow, yeah. And I think his instinct, his instinct would tell him it should be more read like. I know I found him in the apartment where the you know the, the scene of the crime, but my instinct tells me Spider-Man is not to blame. You know that's what his instinct should tell him that he's a hero that he's not. But Spider-Man but, was so nonchalant and saying, "Oh, sorry to tell you this, your girlfriend died." Yeah, that's that was a little out of character, I thought, for Peter. Yeah. I think Peter's more sensitive than that, but um, he Peter's kind of considering beat and he lost his girlfriend, you know, in a exactly. terrible way. So yeah. <laughs> that was kind of out of character. You're right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and then he, you know, they've got him two hours and 50 teleports later. So I don't know how, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know how, how far upstate uh, the expansion is, but it's, um, well, if he can teleport the most, I think about two miles, three miles. Yeah. So if he did 50 teleports, say he can do a mile, he's exhausted, maybe two. So it's 50 to 100 miles away. Dang, I, yeah, that's just yeah. It, it looks, it sounds grueling, even though we don't know what the yeah. method is. In this yeah, I'm for that, sure. But I'm there sure he's absolutely. Abs- I don't know. Exhausted. Can he? Can Kurt really teleport two miles away? I've always thought it was a lot shorter. Like, I think Ohatman says he can do like two miles vertically and maybe. Yeah, but uh, but Burn does two not. Miles, he d- three miles horizontally. Burn definitely eschews um, Ohatman. He, he does not like to use that as a source of, you know, how the limits of, of characters' powers, because that's what it does. It limits them. So, I, I mean, again, and it um, the, the drive to Westchester County was never a long drive. It was less than an hour, yeah. typically. So I would think that it's not that far away, not 100 miles away. I would away think 50, 50 miles, miles away. Yeah, 50 miles is, is plenty. Now, looking back at this image, though, you know, the the image of Nightcrawler at the ruins of the X-Mansion, which, of course, was ruined uh, several issues ago. How, what ruined it? What destroyed the X-Mansion? There's a couple things, right? Phoenix. The Phoenix Oh, okay, that's right. The Phoenix. That's right, right. But here's, uh, you know, the feet of Angel. We, we, of course, you know, find out, but... When this page came out, and I think it came out on a Friday, I could be wrong, but I think it, uh, what, February 2nd is when it came out. Anyway, when it came out, there was just like uber speculation from people on who this was. They, they, it just, you know, that several people did say Angel, but a lot of other people just goes, no, no, those boots remind me of this, or, you know, th- th- there was just a lot of speculation on that. It's funny to see the speculation as it comes, but Burn is kind of. Uh, curtailed speculation on his site. He doesn't like him to do that. But if you're in uh, like the Burn Victims Facebook group, you'll be able mm-hmm. to see all the speculation there. But lately, it's turned into criticism. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I, I don't even like to read the Burn Victims uh, responses to each page because it's the same guys complaining about the same things that were, may have been trouble several issues ago. And you know there are some storytelling issues in all this, but. You don't have to sit there and go over the same thing every single day, but mm-hmm. there we are. Anyway, I'm, I'm I digress. And on the third page, yeah. what's the angel swinging? 
Is this some new weapon? It, it's a weapon Magneto it provided to him. Uh, if you ever looked at the the, he did a mock up of a What If cover years ago. That was What If Magneto had created the X Men, and uh-huh. so you saw Beast with the claws, and you saw Angel had that sword. And it reminded me of the Sun Sword from Thunder of the Barbarian. It's some type of energy. He yeah. calls it an energy sword, right? But okay. apparently, it doesn't. It, he can he can. Set it at different levels because this one obviously just uh, it looks like it cuts through Kirk, but it 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 just stuns him. It doesn't kill him. Yeah, four uh, four slices he takes of him. Shuck shuck yeah. shuck shuck. <laughs> so I wondered what was going on there. Yeah, it sounds like um, well, someone someone's hitting him with a shiv in prison. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think oh. it's odd as Kirk says, you know, he startles Angel and says, "But your tone, even your costume is different. Other than the belt, his costume is not different." It's exactly like well, I mean, Angel's again, what costume. color is it? Is it red? Is it blue? Is it well? That's yeah, that's true. If it's if it's not if it's yeah, it may be black. We don't know. So uh, that His would belt is askew. Well, yeah, and it's got the big M on it, but um, that's the most obvious thing. That's yeah. the most obvious thing. But uh, did any of you, know, you see we, that as half an X? I know I never saw it as half an X. I always saw it as an M. No, I just yeah. see it as an M. That comes it's up. It's an later. envelope. <laughs> yeah, and then of course we see the, the, now I can't unsee that Kurt. It is we see the watcher's eyes, and we get to some. You know, it, it's funny because the watcher is watching Magneto, who's watching Cyclops, and his who's daughter not watching anything. Then comes in and joins Cyclops in in bed. And Magneto's watching. I'm just waiting for Chris Hansen to come and say, "And what's going on here?" <laughs> to Magneto. <laughs> Or to the Watcher, for that matter. <laughs> I love the use of the, the Watcher's eyes as a repeating transition, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you never see that tight a shot of the Watcher, and that's kind of creepy and really cool. Yes. I like it a great deal. Yes, that that is gorgeous. Well, you think he would, uh, and also I like the way he's done the heavy borders to 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 announce that this is, like a flashback. I guess it is a flashback. It's a flashback it's, and a flash it's sideways. Being observed, I think, is what it is. Yeah. But no, 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 because you see them. Yeah, observed by the watcher. That is right because he's watching Magneto watch them. Right. Uh, which is pretty pervy. But uh, you think that Jane would, at least in this world, that that Wanda and Scott would share a room? Obviously, she's coming in because he had a nightmare. That was like influenced his... by Magneto. Yeah, is that the inference here? Yes, I don't know. Is it? You think he's? Yeah, because Wanda even says we all have them, and and you know she says yes, my brother and I face the same, but Magneto found us. So Magneto is is doing this, um, and if you look in in Cyclops' room, there's that device right there on his nightstand by his uh, glasses. And so that's soda stream. What a soda stream! Yeah, like it's a, like we got one in the kitchen. It's like a soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I don't think that's made clear that he's. I mean, I thought he was just verbally kind of manipulating them, but it's yeah. not clear that he's using some type of technology to. But even the the uh, the the panel before that, where the watchers watching them, it says he watches as the evil mutant called Magneto manipulates his young recruits. And then we go to this scene. So, yeah, this is all part of the manipulation. 
So it, well, that, it, it that could would be... explain how he's kind of he's able to he's not just influence them, like I said, verbally and through his 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 character and his will that he is basically he's brainwashing them. So they are because they they are absolutely buying everything he's selling and or they don't seem to be any doubt as to their evilness. They are mm-hmm. embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. That one image of him on the bottom right, you know, after he's told Quicksilver, yeah, we're going to get Jean Grey. And he intends for the Jean Grey to take over from Wanda. That that Cyclops is going to, he says, you know, one which I will keep Summers off his guard. Though he's got off misspelled here. Only one F. Mm. Um, well, well, right. He, he, yeah, he's implied that he's going to get Scott and Jean together. Yeah. But now this this we'll might cover a, this in the next edition. yeah he's at this point I don't think he is aware of the the regular universe that that our X Men comprise. But uh, no, no, because they haven't they haven't. We'll we'll talk about that when we talk about issue twenty about what happens. Yeah, this is I guess several because what does he say? Um, he doesn't say how far back he's looking. So this is not this is still no he does several years I think it says a few several years, years ago. But, yeah, yeah, right. Events so that transpired just a few, just a few years, years ago. And, so. But then right. in their, they've got that one panel. They're in their late teens here or something. Yeah, they got that one panel there. It goes, the moon, the present. The watcher for a moment looks elsewhere. And you see what looks to be Gene's parents. Come, or, or is that Gene's father and Gene coming in the, I the back door? His, it's her, I think it's her right. I think, And I think that's what we're fixing to see. He's still looking at the mirror universe, but he's looking away to and something else going on. But then he cuts to that very thing. He's cutting to when he looks like he's looking away, the next panel, yeah. you but, see his eyes. But is he? Maybe this is something else. Right. He could be seeing something else and he turns attention back to what yeah, he's Yeah, he turns attention at. back to Magneto and Cyclops basically recruiting Gene. And, right. you know, they come in and it, 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 I think it's really interesting the, on the bottom middle panel when they get there and, and Mrs. Gray says, yeah, but you're early. John isn't home. And Magneto just walks on in like he owns the place. Yeah. He's like a oh, minor man. inconvenience. <laughs> well, what we saw in previous issues that he that this Magneto had broken into the X mansion mm-hmm. in the mirror universe and stolen all of Xavier's files on. Uh, I guess all the mutants that he had been collecting. So in, in this universe, Xavier never formed the X Men, or he hadn't had a chance to mm-hmm. because he had had files on Scott and Jean, and then and I guess all the Wanda and Quicksilver, maybe all the other. And he got killed um, in his encounter with Lucifer. Right. So, so before he could have started the X Men, which tells me that this timeline is still a little, uh, a little off. It's not running parallel to the Prime timeline because. Jane seems much older, and Scott seems older than when they were first recruited. And if you read, you know, the original X Men, they were well, more teens. The thing is, like in the the previous issue, they you know they show Magneto basically stealing Scott away from Jack Winters. So right. mm-hmm. we we can assume there that you know that of course was when Scott was still a teenager, the same age that Professor Xavier. Uh, got him, and then they, they took out Jack Winters, and then he at that point forms starts forming the X Men. Right. So I think he Scott might have been with Magneto several years before this is happening, and this is even this is several years 
prior. I, I think this uh, right because, here is is got to be at least a year or more later after the the previous scene that we saw with uh, Wanda and Pietro. But right. but yeah, I mean Magneto yes. had already had his plans to to get her to recruit her, and, and but he said shortly. So maybe not maybe not a year, but maybe a few months later. Um, yeah, but it's still what's what's funny is is that on the panel where where Doctor Gray uh, finally comes in, he looks like uh, uh, J.K. Simmons. Simmons. Yeah, he looks like in that in that one. He looks like J.K. Simmons from the the first Spider Man movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, if his hair was just cut a little bit shorter, that would be it. And I can hear the voice too. <laughs> And he, golly, that's yeah, that, that that's kind of creepy. I don't know if he did that on purpose, but it it uh, it looks more like him than it looks like the Doctor Gray that we've seen in the X Men issues. So drop down two more panels. Yeah, where where the reveal is here. He says, "Clean, clean and quick, perfect." Who's the woman on the left who's screaming? That's Jean. That's Jean, isn't it? Yeah, that's Jean. That's Jean. Okay, so let, follow this line of thinking for a second. Jean's on the left. She's witnessing Cyclops fire his blast, allegedly perhaps killing the parents. Yep. How is it that Magneto wants or thinks this is going to get those two together? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like she's just witnessed it's Cyclops his manipulation. I mean, the thing is, you, you, and, and you're going to see in, in later issues that Magneto's manipulation goes deeper than just you know some sort of uh, mental tricks and uh, psychological uh, warfare on them. I mean, look at look so at the panel up above. He, put, he says, "Summers, the time has come." And Scott, dispassionately, without any anything else, just goes, "Yes, Magneto." It, it's almost yes. like there's some kind of psychosomatic uh, control that he has put that basically has Cyclops do as they planned without any kind of reservation. It's just like you know he's found some He's way tool. Of, 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 of knocking it out of him and utilizing him as a blunt force weapon, yeah. So if Magneto initially wanted Summers and Wanda to be a couple and then has acquired Gene, why does he want uh, Summers and Gene to be uh, a couple? I don't understand the process of where he's it, going. It, he says Maybe we're not supposed to yet. He says, it, you know, basically, it's Wanda is but one tool with which I keep Summers off his guard. So it's it's just a part of manipulation so he can keep the team going as he needs it to. But I, but, I think... Well, we find, go ahead. Well, I said we're going to find out in the next issue that if he wants Scott and Jane to be a couple, to kind of mirror the prime couple... Mm-hmm. But later we find out, and I don't want to skip ahead, we find out some information that seems to uh, disprove that, that they are not a couple. Uh, and I'll talk about it when uh, we get to it. A couple things, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, okay. I think this also reinforces that he has to be using some type of technology to be. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any type of, I don't care how charismatic you are, that you could convince her that, yeah, I had to kill your f- folks because... Uh, reasons you know uh you know i'm sure he could tell them well they're you know yeah they're your parents but they're gonna they're gonna you know it's not like she feels that her parents hate her or that she's some type of outcast because she seems excited that she's gonna go to what she thinks is uh school for Xavier's school yeah and then 
But and then, Kirk, I'm kind of with you because it just kind of doesn't make sense why Jane instead of Wanda. And this is some of the criticism that I think Brian is referencing that there's just things that are just done for the effect. You, you, we just kind of have to like not look beyond the panel, really. Leaps and okay, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's no real uh, because this doesn't really make sense even later. Like I'm up to the current, and it doesn't really make sense why it was necessary to murder, you know, Jean's parents, or why Jean is more of a something of why Jean is needed more than Wanda as Scott's girlfriend. I mean, except for to just as Brian or Tim said earlier, it just makes it kind of mirror the, our reality where Scott and Jean are boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah, I agree. And that would, I think it would be better if they, he kept Scott and wanted together because that kind of flips the, what it subverts our expectation. Uh, it, been, yeah, it makes it a little bit more interesting. And, but, and as far yeah, as it's... telling the parents go, it's all part of that separation from everything so that you have nothing tying you back to the life that you lived. And you don't have anybody identifying you saying, that's our daughter out there that's killing, you know, whoever. Well, he's he, one, I think it makes him bloodthirsty. Yes. And it shows, and it also shows the control he has over Scott. Yeah. And I guess in the long run, it's like, well, I'm going to be your we're your family now so you can rely on us I'm going to be your kind of surrogate father because your parents were are dead you, you can't rely on them you, know, you have to trust another mutants so he's kind of creating you know he is trying to create this psychological yeah. uh, bond with them so that they you know it's like typical brainwashing but so and, and ultimately I think it's just to show the ultimate difference that in this universe Magneto is is um, he is more ruthless, and he has created more ruthless X-Men. So, than 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 the ones we know, they are absolutely they, yeah, yeah. Because that look on on uh, Angel's face while he's about to slash uh, Nightcrawler is just pure like delighting in harming somebody. I mean, it's sadistic. So <laughs> it's just. And that really set me off because I'm like, hey, I like Angel. And I'm like, wow, that's really sadistic. This guy's a creep. <laughs> I just, I want to watch him get his head cut off. They are almost a little cardboard cutty kind of evil. Yes. Uh, they are almost twisting their, uh, twirling their mustaches. But uh, uh, I don't know how. <laughs> well, that's, you have to do that to, to, one, to shock and two, to, to differentiate them from, um, you know, our heroes from the 616 characters that we've been following. Right, right. So I'll give him latitude on that. He's only got X number of panels to get this point across and to develop the story. So. Well, I'm surprised he didn't put them all in goatees. I mean, they're all... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Since he's a Star Trek fan. That joke has gotten uh, on several times. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then we, we cut back to the present, and, night, and poor old Nightcrawler is just having the snot kicked out of him. Um, he's exhausted from teleporting, and then he gets blasted yeah, and then angels, you know, just then. Of course, to your point, Kurt, he's or John, he just he wants to just kill him, and then Prime Magneto comes in and says, "No, no, no, you know, my uh, as they say, my counterpart doesn't want him doesn't for some reason doesn't want him killed." Um, and I think I know why he doesn't want Nightcrawler killed. We'll, well find yeah, out later. Nightcrawler makes sense. I don't know Obviously, about the others. Yeah, that makes, unless he yeah, just feels but, like he can subvert them as well, like he's done these. Right. These, yeah, and, he can. Utilize yeah. them as as tools as well. 
Well, yeah, definitely. Nightcrawler, since we know that Nightcrawler can be utilized to open portals, he would definitely want to have that power again. Yeah, he wants a ba- he wants a backup. Yeah. Um, Hmm. But then, you know, Scott and, and Jean show up and, and kind of uh, blast Angel, and he drops Nightcrawler. Again, Nightcrawler gets dropped. Uh, and Scott, again, you know, uselessly tries to blast through uh, uh, Magneto's little magnetic force shield. And then he gets blasted by his own his own counterpart with a souped-up helmet. Yeah. That he says now, is 100 times yeah, power the, more powerful. The page where... Angel is standing over Nightcrawler, though, and you see that he sheaths what he calls his neuro sword. And so, while it looked like it was energy, it's actually a physical sword. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, the, the, that makes the slashing sounds. If it was just an energy thing, I could see him, you know, doing basically slashes and and you know taking him out like that. If it's like a neuro sword, it's attaching, you know, attacking the nervous system, but. With that, like that, you you figure the slashes would also have to leave some sort of physical damage. But no, again, you know he. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Burn hasn't you know said that this is code approved, but this would be a code approved book, wouldn't it? With the way that he's been drawing and doing it, you know, he hasn't been. I guess he's done some gore. Yeah, definitely later does some gore that uh, I don't know. Definitely, yeah. There's definitely some. (laughs) That would not be. That would have to be in Marvel Max or something. But I gotta say the, um, the the amount of detail on this page, whether it's the characters, their expressions, especially Angels, and then the Argle Bargle that's all around in the middle panels and whatnot. I thought this was a, an, an incredibly detailed page and yes. uh, just gorgeous. Though I you know I wonder you know it's like Cyclops Beam being in such a wide angle, wouldn't it be hitting parts of Nightcrawler too? But yeah, but Nightcrawler's already chance. chucked out. Yeah, you gotta take your chances. You think he would for this angel? It would have been nice if he had given him more of an armored type outfit, or maybe some armored wings. I mean, a little to kind of mimic the Archangel, not actual biomechanical wings, well, but something. Well, please that, let's 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 not go there. Yeah, but I think that was I, such yeah, a misstep. Yeah, I hate that, but th- I think the idea here is to make him as light as possible, so he can. Make use of his speed, you know. That's he's true. the quick. That's true. He does. Have, he still has to fly. Yeah, he's the quick mm-hmm. killer, and and anything else would have weighted him down. Yeah. Um, and but I did like, uh, where was that? No, we haven't gotten there yet. But I did like that Jean's using her her mental powers here to to see what's going on, and that she reads. She goes, he reads as Warren, but off. He's off. off. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that. And then, of course, the next page we see how uh, Nightcrawler gets freed, and she uses her telekinetic power to just pull Nightcrawler away. And it looks, I don't want to say it's effortless, but yeah, I started wondering, how strong is Jean, is Marvel Girl, telepathically? And I couldn't find anything that really gave, like, a, a physical limitation to her telekinetic power. You know, it didn't, obviously, there, you know, he wouldn't pay attention to a hot move, but neither version of a hot move that she was listed in kind of gave any kind of, you know, upper limit of how, how much she could move or, or what she could move. And I know that in the, the younger days, understand Lee and then the later writers, um, you know, she was treated a lot like Sue Storm. Oh, I picked up a penny, yes. headache. I've got to take yes. a nap, you know. But uh, obviously, you know, here she is at the height of her, you know, power. 
and she seems to be able to move stuff like a, a human body almost effortlessly. So at least she can move several hundred pounds. But she if, was shown uh, in graduation times when she changed her costume. Mm-hmm. She was shown as being able to levitate herself. And there's at least one instance where she is catching she and Scott as they fall or lowering them. So she can do at least two adults. Yeah, have you ever seen that? Well, and, and if, if Angel is dropping, I think he's more dropping Nightcrawler. Yeah. And so Gravity's doing a lot of the work, and she's more guiding him down probably with a soft landing. Yeah. But Makes sense. later we do see her carrying Scott and Nightcrawler yes. while they're running through the woods. So she could obviously carry two, um, uh, two humans. But uh, I think it's interesting if, if we go the next – well, we haven't got there yet. Yeah, this next yeah, panel, though, it brings up another thing. And people are constantly asking, how is Magneto actually able to block Cyclops' beam? But – Right. That goes all the way back to X-Men number one. The first time that the yep. X-Men fought Magneto, Magneto was able to block Cyclops' beam. Now, unless there is some sort of electromagnetic component to the beam that comes out of Cyclops' eye, that shouldn't be the case. But since it was written back then, it's got to be now. Well, I think they've just written that Magneto's powers can block, you know, yeah. he can create... Uh, the same way he can levitate people because of the, the is it the iron in the people's in, in people's blood, yeah, uh, and that kind of thing. But um. look at the panel in the bottom right of this uh, same page that reveals uh, the alternate Cyclops. Look at the the visor, the roundness to mm-hmm. it. It reminds me very much of Cockrum's design for Cyclops, um, and and echoes the Shari technology. In my mind, at least. Well, I thought that was a pretty cool throwback. Yeah, I mean, if you guys hadn't noticed that Byrne had scaled back Cyclops' visor, he much more preferred the one that he had before uh, all new, all different X-Men. And so right. he'd been scaling right. down the size. Because you could get a good comparison of the two here in these two panels, the left side being yeah. uh, our Cyclops, the right being the alt-Cyclops. And so, yeah, you get to see that. Well, his... his his legs look so funny. The placement of his legs, the alt cyclops down there, looks so so weird. It's almost like you know the brake pedal is he a has, lot harder to push to down than his clutch. He looks like he has to pee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, um, and just, just to go? his right, there's Marvel Girl. Is that an exposed belly yes, button? Yes, it is. Yes. Yep. Instead of an M. That that is an exposed belly button. That's uh. Good and catch her there. sides are exposed as well. And her her yeah. outfit almost looks more like um, Scarlet Witch's, uh, you know, West Coast Avengers kind of Scarlet Witch outfit yeah. with the pointy yeah. Well, yeah. going up, you know. Well, she's got exposed. Yeah, yeah she's her, got exposed sides exposed. too. Yeah, it's like it's kind of a it's kind of a Power Girl kind of thing. Saturn Girl. Uh, no Power oh, yeah, 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 Power, power girl, girl with the, the open window on the yeah. The boob window, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And there's, okay, there's a little I nice. I tell you, spark. but he missed. If that's what he was going for, he missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, by a few inches. That boostier thing. <laughs> I do. You know, I'm starting to take more notice of the electric racer eraser effect. As you look where Cyclops is being hit by the alt Cyclops beam, and you see those out. You know, the, yeah, the speed yeah. lines going out. You can yeah, see where yeah. he just took his electric eraser and argle bargled it, so to speak. Yep. Interesting. Oh, I'm learning too much about the process. 
there's a nice, I like the little kind of uh, verbal sparring between Jean Grey and Jean Grey, where they're basically insulting each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in her in her choice of clothing. And the face off is great because you've got the same woman looking at each other in mirror image, but you can see all the differences. The, the severity of the evil one, the <laughs> haughty judgment of the original gene. But, uh, yeah, that, no, that's pretty cool. I like that. Length of hair? I like it. Yeah. yeah. Why don't well, you take her mask off, though? To, I think so. You can see it's a face-off. Yeah. So you can see that it's the same same person. Okay. It's like looking I, in a mirror and yet not. Yeah. <laughs> as Nicholas I wonder if this sheds some light on why he's trying to get Scott and Jean together because it, it shows that she knows about or mirror Jean knows about Phoenix and saying, you know, that's the only time you already have any style. So Magneto has been peering in on her time as Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So if he thinks his possibly his mirror Jean can access that same power, if he can control that, then that's going to make him much more powerful. So but, maybe that's but why they he knew it wasn't really back, Jean. He's back in the wrong horse. Wanda's the one who can manipulate reality. He's overlooking his daughter. Instead, he's sending his daughter to Cyclops' bed. Now, is that creepy or what? (laughs) Well, he's only seeing what he can see. And and if he thinks it's like the boys from Brazil, he thinks he has to recreate the same conditions that maybe led to her becoming Phoenix. So that's why he's getting them together. Um, And then, you know, it's a nice shot when she's, you know, when she... uh, and I think it's odd too. At the bottom, she says when she, when Gene pulls his visor open and blasts him, kind of uses him like a gun. Uh, she says, "I've been uh, I've been probing, and little Miss Sunshine there can't read minds. Right. So mere Gene is not telepathic." Well, if you remember, it was Professor Xavier that it's been it, it, he said that he actually gave her a part of yep. his telepathic ability. And that's how she yeah. was able to do that. With this Xavier not ever being around, that never happened. I always kind of read that as Professor Xavier says he's giving it to her, but what he's actually doing is just awakening that power within her. It's something she already had. Right. Now, when was this revealed? That, I, that I just was, thought she was low-level telepath. No, it, it was in uh, uh, the earlier issues of the X-Men. I mean, that was before Neil. Uh, that was before Roy Thomas and Neil Adams. All right, I'm, before, I'm not. It was, they went to it the was in '65. They did a flashback in 65 when Professor X returns where it's revealed that she's known all along that the professor has been alive and has been lying to the rest of of the X-Men and that she had received half of his powers. Anyways, I remember this vividly. Wow. It didn't feel right then. It doesn't feel right now. (laughs) I like your explanation. So that means Mirror Scott and Mirror Jane do not have the psychic rapport that... Right. Prime Scott, Prime Gene have okay. Well, that makes but sense. Prime I, I Scott that and Prime Gene through. don't have a psychic rapport here. That was Phoenix and Scott. Okay, and she gave that to Scott in X Men one thirty two. So that was Phoenix that did the psychic rapport. These two just you know do thing. I mean, obviously they've got good you know nonverbal communication, or you know he might be able to think to her you know do this or whatever. But she did this all on her own though. Yeah. Which was brilliant, and again, I'm I'm kind of caught, you know, the angel's sword here looks more like a, a regular sword again, but the hilt is you know very definite, solid metal, almost like a lightsaber 
hilt in that bottom panel. And the one above it, you can see him holding it. Whereas in the earlier panels, it looked like it was energy as well that, that he had his hand on. Yeah, he's not drawing it like it's a solid sword that has an energy uh, aura. He's it's like a sun it's like the sun sword. Yeah. It's just a it's a lightsaber. But but I, I, um, he's misrepresented because he's got the one panel where he sheathes it, and you can yeah, see. Yeah, he that, should have a hilt. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have to have a sheath. He should have just that just the handle just clipped to his belt. Yeah. But oh, he didn't want to get sued by Disney or. Or by uh, George Lucas. Um, or, I guess or, not. Now, who was it I that designed? Like was it Kirby? Was, was it Kirby or Toth that dis- that designed the Sun Sword? Kirby. Kirby, Kirby designed Thundar. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite Saturday morning cartoons of all time. I kept wondering if the sword was going to lead someplace. That the fact that that he has it, and looking ahead, that the other angel, our angel, is going to pick it up at some point. I thought that was going to be a significant player down the road, that it was going to come to a, uh, you know, like, oh, my hand! (laughs) Here, Magneto, here's your head. That would be funny. (laughs) So let's look at this next page where, you know, Xavier senses the coming of of Gladiator, and then he comes out of the ground with what he had uh, surrounded earlier, which is, of course, the bodies of Kitty and Astra in that, you know, basically uh, cocoon. J- cocoon of Earth. Now, while this entire page is beautiful, if you look at the first image of Gladiator and his legs, kind of looks like a kid drew it. Bursting up through the, the Yeah, just floor? Gladiator's legs. Uh, to, I mean, to me, it's something's wrong with it. Maybe it's how he's darkening in the um, the leggings. And then, of course, he's got those the 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 knee things that that come up on Gladiator's costume. I've always hated that part of it, but uh, I don't know. Just the, again, he he's had some difficulty with the legs in some of the images. It's it's a little uh, it's a little undefined, and I I just now noticed that the point the panels you see Storm taking off. I never noticed that. You see her taking straight yeah. up, right? Um, where she can't catch him because he's already in orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's Xavier is sensing gladiator i think he's sensing kitty and astro yeah. whatever yeah whatever they become he's sensing that yeah, you're humaning it um, something somehow something else yeah you're right yeah uh then of course he's immediately attacked by wolvie beast um with his little uh U- handmade useless unused claws yeah which yeah which i don't know if those are adamantium or if it's uh um, and I also ask what he says. Uh, he says, uh, "Though I can be grateful, Magneto, once you're alive, I'd be more than happy to reduce you to cold cuts for what you did to my counterpart here." Is he referring to what did Xavier do to? Did I miss something, or I went back and I couldn't find? What is he? Why is he seemed concerned about Prime Beast? Uh, the perhaps that Beast has been mutated into a blue f- furry. Something rather, I don't. Maybe I guess I, 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 that confused yeah, me. Yeah, and he's. I mean, Magneto's going to use whatever he can to manipulate his people to push him in the direction for what he needs done. And so, who knows what he he showed or told Hank here about what happened to the uh, Prime Hank? Yeah. And then, of course, now it, the the Alt Magneto comes in. 
and you can definitely see his helmet is different from the other Magnetos. This one more reminds me of the one that they used in X-Men First Class. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon's. Yep. Yep. And then, again, we jump back to our secondary characters. We get Wolverine, who's still kind of brain-damaged and still kind of linked to Pablo for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Joff realizes that uh, Gladiator's gone. And does it seem to me that in these later scenes where they're kind of fighting it, they have toned down uh, Joff's powers? Because he was... Unmuted. Really? Anything you recognize? Uh, yeah. yeah. He survived... You know, basically crash landing on Earth. And here he seems like he's kind of powerless. He doesn't seem to take control. He doesn't. He, I think he would be able to take out. Right. I think he'd be able to take out uh, Mirror Magneto and his group easily. He's very underused in this yeah. whole series since he got here. Right. He, he's just been. He's been a. a He's more like Wolverine's version of Gleek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's been healing, that's for sure. And he's, he's, I think he's probably back up to full strength at this point. But, I mean, number one, we were led to believe initially that Joff was not, um, I mean, a regular person. That he was synthetic in some way, weren't we? In back, way back in yeah, 108. Of, yeah, he's a... Not a robot. But he's he's a a construct or something yeah. that he. That's why it makes him so powerful. And you think maybe his programming doesn't necessarily say you know take action unless. And so uh, you know I, I don't know what it is that would, that that forces Joff to take action. Maybe Joff has got metal in him as well that Magneto could manipulate like he does Colossus or Wolverine. Maybe I don't know. He seems to have independent thought, I, so I, I don't know if he's if he's if he's uh, if he's uh, relying on some type of programming or a prime directive or, or something like that. He seems to be a, an independent sentient being, but yeah, and he seems to embrace you know his you know the the wolf, the the X Men. Yes. So he's, he's kind of part of that family. But to, to your point, none of these characters have all been kind of underused now. I mean, Wolverine's kind of. And put in this this kind of docile brain damage kind of reactive state, and he've linked him to Pablo, who I think is the most unutilized character. He's got vague powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's, he's Franklin he's, Richards. Yeah, he's a plot device. He's there yes. to do something to move the plot along mm-hmm. or make something happen. He's not a character. I, I'm I hoping there's going to be a big payoff on Pablo. I just don't know if it's going to be. He needs to, or, or it's just going to yeah, it's going to fizzle out because, um, because you know here you know, I guess, uh, uh, Colossus hears something, so he yeah, you know he he starts to barge to the next room, and then of course Magneto it seems like through the room, kind of throws him into the wall. Yeah. Uh, uh, read the captions. Yeah. And then, of course, Beast comes in and throws in Professor, and then that's when, you know, again, plot device Pablo comes in and decides to link with Ashley, and now their powers are kind of the same? Well, I mean, they can can both affect, you know, uh, mechanical 
things and they basically grab or at least that's what she's doing she's grabbing the mechanical parts of what beast has on him through those claws and right. what they do is they just, so painful um are we to believe it's like two vulcan neck pinches because it says spock spock <laughs> uh, no it's supposed to sound like the popping of uh sh- champagne bottles and, well, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, they just, uh, I mean, honestly, they just... No, have you ever just, had your uh, shoulder dislocated? I have not, so I'm sure it's painful. Uh, I, I can tell you, and, and again, I have had many, many, many kidney stones over the course of my life, and they're supposed to be one of the worst pains a person can suffer. But having my shoulder dislocated, and it was something that my son caused when he was in his terrible twos, um, it was in so many ways worse because there's the, 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 the horrible pain of number one, it coming out the worst pain of putting it back in. And then there's the continued pain and suffering that goes on after that As of any time you move or need to move or, you know, raise it or whatever. I, I mean, this is, this is such pain, especially if he did it to both of them. And as big as he is, uh, you got to figure that's that's even worse. And the fact of the matter is, they never put him back in the sockets. They're just hanging there, which is pretty much makes them mostly useless. And regardless of what anyone says, you cannot just bang your arm into a wall like Riggs does in Lethal Weapon and get it to go oh, back in the socket. You tell me that's right. not true. <laughs> no, no. Usually, have to pull it out. They would never do something in the movies that wasn't true. Oh God, I'm just. Uh, Anyway, well, you think that Magneto would just pop him back in? He could do it unless he's kind of punishing Beast for underestimating him. Uh, after he bonks the kids in the head and probably gives them both concussions. Yeah, he warned um, warned to be to be aware of those two. Now that's the thing. So he's been watching. So he's got kind of a clue about those kids, and of course he knocks him out. But I mean, how much does he know about them? And then, of course, that meant- I'm sorry. That middle panel with the kids, yeah. their skulls being slammed ow, together. Ow. You know, people get hit on the head and knocked out in TV shows, episodic TV, all the time without any repercussions. This is pretty damn devastating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we take it for granted that, oh, we'll just knock him out, and then he'll wake up and there'll be no after effects. That's not how it works. Well, There's and, and always after effects. you don't typically effects. get knocked out when you bang your head against somebody you're writhing in pain you're unable to focus tears coming out your eyes it's a lot different than just someone getting knocked out i mean usually you get knocked unconscious you that's a a, a different set of circumstances that causes that you know right and it's not like waking up it's not like oh it's because i've I've passed out before and when you come back from that it's not pleasant yeah you come back you're just you're disoriented but uh, and then on the next page, Wolverine kind of, which I think is Wolverine, of course, reacts and goes kind of feral, uh, feral, yeah. And and Colossus says, "No, you have no memory of Magneto." It's like, well, no, but he saw his buddy Pablo get knocked in the head, so he's going to attack whoever did it. Right. I don't think he has to have a memory of uh, and, Magneto. And Colossus to give advice. He still is in his armored form. With Magneto, right. he's yeah. the most useless person against <laughs> Magneto next to Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, well, here's but a bit of foreshadowing. 
exactly when he says i'll just rip those out of your uh, out of your flesh but yeah um and then we get a kind of a cliffhanger with pablo coming around and his eyes i guess are turning white and then something's happening there yeah uh but then we cut to outer space where they have in the previous issue they had somehow resurrected Lalandra after she had kind of yeah right after she had been kind of consumed by the phoenix force so they are um uh they're checking her over and then that that machine they've got her in doesn't it look like there's like two alien hands grabbing her boobies yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's, just, it's covering up is what it is. But everything's strategically, so, everything's strategically you can see planned. like hand, like mittens with thumbs. <laughs> That's so wrong. I'm sorry. I got to say though, the bottom, not the bottom, but the middle panel where you know they show her in the machine and all the other Shire uh, Imperial Guard are standing around. That is one scene I'd like to see inked and colored. That one, that one image right there. Cause, yeah, there's a lot of detail there. Yeah, there's a lot of detail, and a lot of it, since it's alien, I don't necessarily have an, an exact understanding of what's going on around Lalandra. It looks like there's a lot of those bots or droids or whatever that are flying around and tending to the the construct there. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely like to see better you know, definition on that outside of the pencils. They look like the, uh, what's the robot that, that uh, Superman Kellex, has? The little... Kellex. Alex, they look like that robot. Um, and also, well, Lynette, well, later we... Isn't the Imperial with, Guard supposed to be an analog for the DC... Legion of Superheroes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Because Gladiators, obviously... Because I think in this, and I don't think it's ever been revealed until Burn to this, they call him Kalark. Kalark. He, did, Kalark. he didn't come up with that name. Someone else came up with that name. Someone else did? Okay. And, so that's obviously, I think, a play on Clark. Yeah. But, or or Kal-El. Um, or both, and then he should he or both probably, and then he shows up with his pile of dirt, and I guess he burns away everything, and then there, and then the the toad doctor is trying to. Uh, it looks like a scene, and later you see it. It looks like a scene from John Carpenter's The Thing, where they've merged into this one body, and mm-hmm. they don't know how to separate yeah, them. You're waiting for the mm-hmm. teeth to come in and bite that guy's hands off. Yeah, <laughs> but I really like the image. Now, of course, uh, there's the image in the middle panel of. Gladiator using his his heat vision or whatever to cut the stone away from Kitty and Astra, but his pose looks just like the Human Torch from that mm-hmm. issue of Fantastic Four, like two forty nine or two fifty, when he ducks and the scroll Cyclops gets hit by the spear. Mm-hmm. Why he has to be lo- why he has to be levitating to use his heat vision? I don't know, but. I guess that makes it more impressive. He's in outer space. He's getting getting yeah. a better, better, um, better, better, better angle. angle, and also his yeah. gladiator. He does what he wants to do. Yeah, it reminds everybody. I do like the design. Of, I like the design of Doctor Toad at the bottom. Yes, um, that's a nice alien. Very Star Warsy. Exactly. <laughs> so now Oro meets Jack Frost. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like that version of of Iceman, the way he looks, and the eyebrows, and the hair, and and all that. Um, I do have a problem. That is a pretty cool look for him. I do have a problem with this page, and it's something that I've got a problem with that that Byrne does do. Um, Back in the Sentinel storyline, Storm got attacked by, I guess it was Magneto, or someone with shards of metal 
going past her and, 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 and ripping into her. And, you know, apparently Storm was injured back then, but we never actually saw that she was really injured needing bandages or anything. You know, metal goes by you like that, it's going to slash you. This is sharp, sharp ice that's, that's, you know, hitting her. Shards that become whistling blades. And while it cuts up her costume, once again, she walks away with, you know, nary a cut, so to speak. But Just her unstable molecule um, costume is, is, is shredded, yeah. which it... I would think it we shouldn't, but and also she says uh, she when she first gets attacked she goes snow and they just oh no not snow shards of ice and my power has no effect on them so if it was snow and if he was creating snow she could then no. affect it no so she, even, even, regardless of so. what it was she can't affect it because it's not yeah, actual, it's natural not a weather, weather yeah it's not a weather system I disagree with that I I've always thought you know she, it's weather she can affect it. Uh, whether she warms things up or drops the temperature and and creates it, she could have melted the snow. Now, whether the ice overwhelms her ability to do that, that's another thing. But well, I think even through this and always, her her power has always been whatever's needed for the story. Right. Yep. She can yep. she, she can control weather, but then she seems to be able to control it. Uh, really fine-tune control certain things. Yeah, because if um, she can fly without a cape, and and that's wind that's blowing, that's got to be like super micro bursts of wind because it's not blowing other people around her. Well, she calls down yeah. lightning yeah. very precisely. But she, it's not just and, that. But sometimes they have lightning actually coming from her hand, coming out of her hand. Right, I think that's so. almost like she's channeling yeah. it, yeah. I think he, I know he doesn't want to take someone else's idea, but it's kind of a missed opportunity that this evil Iceman doesn't look like, you know, when Amber Frost took over uh, yep. Iceman and he had a much more blocky, and he was almost pure ice, which I think yep. he can become pure ice now when he's up, his his power is is, is evolved. Um, instead of just looking like the, you know, he's got, um, you know, he just looks like he's got. Uh, big eyebrows and kind of he's just spiky all over instead of. Uh, well, at least he doesn't look like Martin Short. That's true. <laughs> it's true. That's what Santa Claus three. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, uh, you know, Oro Oro gets her her costume shredded, shredded, but will dress or undress that in another issue. <laughs> I got I, I got problems with that. So yeah. <laughs> And, hey, listen, guys, uh, we're just at the end of the first issue. How many more are we going to do? Just the next one. Just I'm one more. I'm afraid I'm going to have to drop out and go to work here. They've scheduled me to work later on. Ooh. Bad weather coming oh. in? No. Somebody needed a vacation day, and uh, I was scheduled. So Understood. So you're on call? Nothing's bad. It's happening. It's just somebody has to go yeah. and be okay. there and well, know, thanks, be, answer the phone. So. Uh, unless we do the next one really, really fast, I'm going to have to uh, step out. All right. Well, uh, we, we can get through as quick as we yeah. can and just, just stay on as long as you can, Kurt, I guess. And if you got to okay. drop, you got to drop. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, well then we'll uh, basically evil uh, prime ice bench shows up and kind of saves the day. And then it then that's the end of the issue. So we will move on to issue 20. Uh, entitled Dreadful Symmetry. We open on the Mirror Universe a few months ago. Magneto has killed most of Earth's superheroes in just ten weeks. He grows bored. It seems in the Mirror Universe, Magneto has accomplished what his counterpart 
uh, could never in our universe. He quotes Hans Gruber and looks for more worlds to conquer. <laughs> he leads his gang of evil mutants into a secret room where he has the mirror universe Kirk Wagner strapped to a machine. We get to present time in the prime universe. Gene and Scott grab Kurt and flee through the woods. See last issue for details. Nightcrawler is confused as to why Gene is functioning as an adult, not a child. See previous issues for Gene's mental state. They are attacked by Mirror Magneto and encased in Earth. Kirk teleports away and Mirror Angel pursues. Close by, Storm watches as the two Icemen duke it out. The Mirror counterparts seem to have an advantage because they are they will use deadly force and not hold back. The Prime Angel suddenly swoops up Storm and fills her in on how the two former X-Men arrived. We flash back to Angel's home in the Rockies. The Watcher suddenly appears and speaks a single word, Magneto. Two mutants race across the country in time to see Storm attacked by their evil twins. Storm, uh, Storm, having recovered, draws all the moisture from the mirror Iceman, reverting him to his human form. The three notice an M on the bad guy's belt, and two plus two equals Magneto. Storm uses her powers to, quote, rearrange the unstable molecules in her tattered uniform for something more presentable. The three fly off to investigate. Cut to Earth orbit and the merged forms of Kitty and Astra. The medbots determine they can separate and save only one of the women. Gladiator instructs them to save their comrade. Kitty is, is collateral damage. Cut to X-Mansion basement. A blast of brimstone and Nightcrawler appears underground. He grabs a spare costume and investigates. He spots the Mirror Beast and Magneto. Kirk springs on Magneto and manages to pull his helmet off at the same time as young Pablo's undefined mutant powers reach out. The boy throws Magneto against the wall, but the Master of Magnetism has Colossus punch the boy. A forgotten Volk, the Broccoli People, last seen in issue 17, grabs his gun dropped by Kitty in the previous issue. He quickly interfaces his fellow aliens. They turn invisible and gather up their shredded comrades. The Wolverine turned into mulch in issue 17. Well, almost all of them. They head to their cloaked ship and blast into space, leaving Earth behind. As Xavier regains consciousness, he scans Mirror Magneto's mind and learns that this is not his old foe. Cut to outside the school. Prime Scott and Jean are fighting Mirror Angel when Mirror Quicksilver slugs Jean. Prime Scott attacks, but Mirror Scarlet Witch topples a tree, trap, topples a tree trapping them. Pietro wants them dead, but Prime Magneto tells them to halt. His counterpart wants them alive. Before Prime Magneto can leave with his prize, Prime Angel tries to force his hand and threatens the unconscious Mirror Angel. He falls to a blast from Mirror Cyclops. Cut back to Earth orbit. Burst of energy on the planet does not go unnoticed. Medboss report Leandra's condition is improving, and maybe she is on the verge of awakening. And they are concerned. Is the Phoenix waking also? To be continued. There's one page that you skipped over. Next to the last page, the squirrel scene. Yes. Yeah, that's I. I kind of skipped that because that was basically that's the energy signature they that they spot in the next is page. It? So is I, it? I I think it is. No, that's why I assumed it no, was. No, the, the thing is, there's a couple things going on here. The the squirrel thing, I think, is more based on the whole Nagari demon follow up that he uh, teased a while back, and then the the other thing, of course, is what we think is the remnants of the Phoenix Force. Well, then it's he's not being very clear because, one, on right. the squirrel page, which I skipped, some squirrel senses something. It goes under a bush. And then 
you, I can't tell really what's going on. It looks like explosions or fire or it's evaporated. Yeah, is that it? Rare waves oblivion, but the the uh, caption box is in black, indicating that it's something alien, something different. Right. I get the impression that this is another subplot or the uh, Deus machinery that that is going to solve everything, starting to be sprinkled in. Well, then he should not have followed it up by the very next page where they are they sense the energy because it seemed like that one flows right into the next one. Yes, um, and it's supposed to. It's, it's he's doing that intentionally. Okay, whether it's right or not, it's burn misdirection again. Right. Well, then. Anyway. Well, then, I, then I missed that. Then that's my fault. I didn't cover. It. I thought it was. It was. I kind of covered it in the. Uh, uh, the follow up with them sensing that that maybe she because they don't know if if she retains any residual phoenix power or she's just going to be Leandra. So they don't know. So we, that's again, that's yeah. something that's going to happen, I guess, later on. But going back um, to this, the, the I mean, just the first page. Um, now, Burn does something different here than he's been doing on a lot of his other pages. Whenever he's got a lot of dark patches, he pencils them in. But if you look at the top of this page, there with the title, their dreadful symmetry, he's got looks like a Photoshop uh, fill in. Of that gray color. You guys noticing that? Yeah, I, I didn't notice, but I, yeah, you're right. He's that's that's probably I what he put in that, when he put in the dreadful symmetry, which is obviously that's text. He's digitally put in there. Um, he's probably and even then on the the a lot of the dark patches because if he never intended this to be inked, a lot of times they'll just X out stuff yeah. instead of actually penciling it in. That lets the anchor know this is all black. Right. But he's actually, if he doesn't ever tend to have somebody go behind him and ink it, he's actually filling in. Yeah, but I mean, uh, like we saw in the previous Nightcrawler yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to say uh, goodbye to Kirk, unfortunately, because he does have to go to work. Thanks for joining, and uh, yeah, thanks, we'll miss, Kirk. Miss your commentary here. Have fun. That's okay. I'll catch it later. Thanks, guys. All See right. you later. Thanks. But I really, really love this page. This is one of my favorite pages in the whole thing, just because of the amount of detail, the burn tech, Wolf Blitzer, uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> and, and this, the subtle details. Like, you look down, you can see Wanda is staring at Cyclops, where Cyclops has his arms around uh, Alt-Gene. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... It, well, this is a... Yeah. I was going to say, this is a typical burn overhead shot. You know, you've seen him do this kind of high angle shot a lot. Magneto's left um, knee, though, looks really funny. The the left leg itself. He's got it draped over. Well, he's, super, he's super casual in his little, uh, in his little lair there where they're watching the news. Yeah. And, and this reveals that they have, apparently, the X-Men, evil X-Men, have taken out the Avengers. They've taken out the uh, FF. I'm assuming... Uh, most of the Avengers. Most of the Avengers, most of the Avengers <laughs> I guess the. Uh, yeah, it's true. Um, and now he's. This is and this is what confused me a little bit because it seemed like this Magneto was doing what uh, our Prime Magneto always wanted to. That he felt Homo Superior were the superior race and they should be ruling, and he was willing to do whatever he could to put them, you know, at the top of the heap. You know, that, but he wasn't necessarily bloodthirsty and just wanted to kill humans. He just wanted, he thought we were the rulers and we should rule. 
this Magneto seems to just want he just wants to he revels in carnage. He just wants to kill. And after he's killed all the all the superheroes, you think he could reshape this world to the world he wants. But no, he wants to go off and conquer some place uh, not some place else. So wait a second. I, I I think you're you're missing something here. And of course reading further down and seeing the things that that were that were being told, number one, he doesn't want the alt X Men killed. I think that he intends to get control of them as well. Maybe even to try to uh, force Jean to become Phoenix. So that he can come back to this world and dispatch the rest of the heroes that, that need to be. The ones that he thinks that he's not in the same league with. Well, it seems like he's already dispatched that he is... He's kind of in control now. He's dispatched all the, the 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 superhero groups that could oppose him on his 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 world, and now he's looking to because he says he gets bored. He goes, "I've done that. I want this to." This is all manipulation. Um, I'm pretty sure. But I, I again, I could be wrong. But you know, as as we get into later later issues, you know, I think that it might become come come to light. But I can't think of any other reason to spare the the prime x-men well he may not want to kill other mutants maybe he unless he has to you know the other heroes avengers and such maybe he's killing any of them that he doesn't feel as being his kind but right. my, my point is that this magneto instead of being a little more complex and and layered the way he's magneto is he's just evil for evil's yeah. sake and he just wants to kill so maybe that's again maybe to your point that's that, that that's he's playing a long game with the other X Men here or the, the these guys and he wants to recruit more or he just wants to you know uh, kill other worlds for the sake of killing other worlds so um, that's you know that's that I think I put that a little bit on Burns writing that he's just kind of writing him a little broad. Well, he he made comments in the last you know two years that uh, you know Magneto to him, uh, the, the early Magneto was written just as the evil villain. I mean, he was of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It wasn't like you know in the movies where it's the Brotherhood of Mutants and they've got a noble cause. Yeah. Know, but... Yeah, he was written that way at the beginning, but I think they've later. But yeah, he he goes through steps more... to explain why Magneto became the way he was written in the uh, in the Prime storyline, and and this is basically his model of what Magneto should be. But that's again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what it is. Um, moving on there though, uh, you know, Iceman, of course. Makes a comment, and it you know, we find out there that uh, he had seen the deaths of Toad and Mastermind, and still feels mm-hmm. a shadow of fear upon him. But he's sitting there throwing some heavy bravado out, um, you know, about Magneto having you know, careful what you wish for, basically. Yeah, well, I think he's he's writing. Uh, Bobby is kind of young and cocky. Um, but w- the next page, what do you guys feel? Because I got some questions about this about. Him obviously he's found uh, the mirror nightcrawler who I guess was still in the circus he was never recruited and he's got him in this contraption that he's forcing him to kind of teleport back and forth to this where he's got him tied up or whatever 
because uh, he's, he's experimenting on him or he's testing him. And obviously this is what he uses to open uh, portals. And it's probably what he's been using to view uh, parallel Earths. That's what he uses um, uh, Nightcrawler to to jump from universe to universe. Well, if, if Byrne does not like Ohatu, then we're, I don't really like the idea that he's using Nightcrawler to jump uh, dimensions because yes, the Ohatmu says that when Kurt teleports, he's going into another dimension briefly and then emerging again. Mm-hmm. That's why the smell of brimstone and the smell and all right. that. Well, if, if Byrne is kind of ignoring that and doesn't necessarily like that, then what makes him think that he's nothing more than just a teleporter that's teleporting within his own universe? Uh, I, I understand they want to get Kurt involved in the story, and this is a way to get them to jump from universe to universe, but why would he use, like, say, the Vanisher or something like that, that they can have the same type power? It's a good question. What do you think, John? I just didn't, I just didn't like him using Kurt. Like, for like is this. John still here? Yeah, I'm sure it was yeah. just because Nightcrawler was part of the new X-Men and it was a way to tie the whole team together. Exactly. I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's you just know, a way to kind uh, of tie it all together. But, you, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned the whole extra-dimensional thing, and what that got me thinking about was, did you ever see the movie Event Horizon? Mm-hmm. Where you know they they found a ship to go, they found a way to go faster in light, go into another dimension, and come out wherever they're wanting to go. Unfortunately, the dimension that they went through turned out to be hell. Yeah. And Nightcrawler's powers, you know, is like that. That looks looks like he's going to that dimension too. Because where else are you going to get sulfur and brimstone? <laughs> well, to be fair, I don't like Ohatmu's ex- explanation that he goes into. That seems to be their explanation for everything. Uh, for powers, yeah, dimensional you know, Cyclops supposedly, Cyclops is supposedly pulling his power from another dimension. But see, the, the, uh, early they explained that Cyclops's power was based off a of soul. He was a solar collector. Yeah, and, he's the same way his brother is a cosmic yeah. collector. But uh, and, and of course, Cyclops got messed up in the uh, plane accident, plane incident. Right. But uh, yeah. yeah, brain damage. But to John's point, I think it's a way to get Kirk. Uh, into the story, gets them to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a plot device, and of course, it explains why he wants to keep uh, the uh, the prime Kirk because if he wants to, because you know, to this point, <laughs> this Kirk dies when they move. I love this. I love this. So when he demonstrates a teleportation, and Beast goes, <laughs> "It's like Satan yeah. himself <laughs> broke wind." Uh, hit McCoy. Yeah. How that particular mutant will serve me. <laughs> But he does Magneto's fire. Yeah, this, exactly. <laughs> this is also an expl- uh, another example of when I say Byrne is trying to over-explain stuff. When he's talking to Kirk and somebody says, this, uh, says you speak German? He says, of course. It's one of the many, uh, the many tongues I have mastered. And since our guest does not speak English, it's like, we don't need all that. Yeah, we know Kirk's from Germany, but, you know, he seemed to speak English when you joined the X-Men, that you, or, or Xavier gave him a, a crash course in telepathic English. But this is this is kind of Vern uh, explaining something or showing it's not like fan service and showing how clever he is, but it doesn't. It just feels it doesn't need to be in there. Well, uh, if they're going to do the this, the German part too, you know, they should have it in those like. I don't know what little bracket. bracket. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. So, so, so you, you, yeah, you exactly. see the transition between English and that. You can tell that yeah. it's not. I love right. that that teleportation right. moment though, because you get everybody in there in that uh, that image. I like it when he does group images that are not huge when they're smaller, because they seem more detailed and um, cooler. But that's just that's just me. That's more like mm-hmm. his older style when when he was doing the X Men back then. The panels were a lot smaller, uh, a lot more varied. Yeah. Well, he spent a lot of because even the next page when they're running, when Gene and Scott and uh, Kerr are running through the forest, that's very detailed. The 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 because it looks like almost like she's floating too. She's not running. I think there are she's carrying them. It looks like she's walking above the she ground. She's moonwalking. Right. Yeah. Um, and of course, Scott says, "You know, you can put me down," and that's when. And we forgot that Kirk doesn't his you know yeah, the last he knew she was a child or had the mind mm-hmm. of a child. Yeah, not not functioning well. The, the Magneto panel so, there, while it kind of mirrors the one from above, you know, because it's in shadow, doesn't the top part of his costume look kind of like he got the Argle Bargle and the shadow mixed up? The Argle Bargle mm-hmm. of the bushes around them. Well, I think that's supposed to be Shadows of Lees or something, maybe on oh, his. Oh yeah, and they're be, yeah, be coming. Through. Okay, I got you. It's coming through the sunlight. It, yeah, it's just not as pretty as the rest. Right. Yeah, it probably look great once it's once it's uh, it's inked. And, and so, what does he pull the plumbing from the ground? I mean, or is I mean, there's not like iron in the first, you know, ten feet of ground. I mean, you've got dirt, you've got rocks, you've got bedrock. I mean, he'd have to be pulling up like water pipes or something, and that's if they're metal no, water pipes. No, he just, it, it's it says right there traces of oh ferrous elements in these rocks. Okay, yeah, rocks. yeah. Um, he tells you right there. So uh, <laughs> I know I should start well, reading now. That's what I should do. Well, Magneto's always been able to kind of deal with when you know once he kind of increased his power that he could deal with anything and even had a, a and slight this, trace this of Magneto metal. Too. He could probably adjust the magnetic field of the Earth to um, push up the air dirt too, or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> hmm. uh, but at least Kurt's big uh, on the next page. Kurt can bamf out of there. He's got his wits about him a little Once bit. Once he got his costume on, man, he was just like, "I'm there." Felt like he was almost back to normal. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't have his oh, costume. No, that's, oh, I'm he's, sorry. I'm, I'm getting right. ahead of the story. Angels, angels chasing him, and he, I guess he's making these little short teleports. Uh, and angels just kind of going behind him, trying to swing and, and yeah. anticipate where he's going to be. Hey, I said hold still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, let me do that for you. Um, now, Storm, of course, uh, on the next page is watching the fight between the two Icemen. And, you know, it's funny, it, it, you know, he's the, the alt Iceman says, I can sense you're holding back, but it looks like the two of them are having a pretty darn good battle. <clears throat> and it's mm-hmm. not like he's hurting Bobby. No, but he does have an ice spear. It looks like at one point he's going to stab him. Uh, but I wouldn't think that wouldn't hurt. Well, I guess in this case, Bobby is still just encased in ice. He hasn't become ice the way he can later. Yeah, well, and again, that was a different writer that put that, which is all post X Men 137. So he's not going to, I don't think Burns paid any attention to that. I don't think he's read any yeah. of that, you know, for that matter. <clears throat> and so uh, this is the first time that, you know, uh, Iceman mentions the storm about the Watcher. Mm-hmm. And then an Angel comes in and, and picks picks Storm up. And that, 
is very reminiscent of X-Men Hidden Years. That image of Angel on that page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gorgeous, though. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You know, that's right. Yeah, and I like you know. how, um, how he has Warren said, and I think he's talking to the readers here. Yeah. It's going to take a bit of suspension of belief. Yeah. Of how we get here. That's exactly. I thought he was. He was speaking for all of us because he's just like you know, you guys. You you keep trying to delve too deep into the this is and that's. You know, just let it go and read the story. Yeah. But they're hanging out at angels. We're here now. Yeah. Licking their wounds over the breakup of that little superhero club, the champions. (laughs) Now, while we're on this page, Jeff Tolbert. uh, made a cool cover of X Men Elspin Twenty out of that that image of Aurora and uh, an angel. angel. Uh, nice. He he inked it and colored it and then turned it into like the cover of the issue. It's really nice. That's cool. I love this image of the Watcher appearing before before them. And of course, you can see there's Angel, there's Bobby, and it looks to be Candy Southern there. But he said, when he says there, he says, for a moment, he just stood there looking like he was uncertain about speaking. And then he said one word and vanished. And, of course, he says Magneto. But I like the idea that he, said, that he had that uncertain look on his face. It, uh, it makes sense in a way because, you know, the Watcher is taking action, but he knows he really shouldn't interfere very much. Yeah, but he's never really had – he's never been hesitant to – to, as he, I think Angel later calls it his prime directive. Yeah, because he yeah, he didn't explain anything. He's like, oh, I can just tell them this, Magneto, and somehow they they knew where they had to go. Um, it's like if you guess, I didn't tell you. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Now, top of the yeah, next, just ask me some questions. I'll tell you. Next right. page, we see one of the champions flying cars, flyers, whatever you want to call them, and they had to steal no. it. I mean, why didn't Warren? Why would they? Yeah, Warren bought all that for the champions, and they were champions, so how could they be stealing their own equipment? Yeah. Well, unless they were government, because well, he funded it, right? Didn't Warren fund it? Yeah, that's what yeah, yeah. yeah, so I don't because they, they, they showed that when we covered uh, Hulk Annual, was it 10? 7, uh, Hulk Annual 7. 7, 7. They had uh, their champion car, whatever we're going to call it, and they didn't seem like they just used it. It wasn't like they were having to steal it. But um, So while we're on the subject of the champions, we really should do a couple of those issues because I love that book. Yeah, I, I, I'm, wanting, I'm wanting to do a reread of, the, of all the champions here soon, so I think I'll um, tear into that sometime soon. And, and maybe we can I've never read, read it. I've got some of them, but I've never read the champions. Well, and anyway, uh, so you know they're they're well, they of course come flying in. Iceman sees his doppelganger, and um, then they catch up to Warren and Storm talking. And then in that bottom right panel, which is not as detailed as many of the others, you'll notice that Iceman uh, that the alt Iceman's getting the better of Bobby. It looks like uh, you know that Iceman's yeah. having a hard time. That's where Storm comes in. And sucks all the moisture in the air as we go down to the next page, away from the alt Bobby, and uh, he falls to the ground and goes splat. I mean, it actually says splat on the page, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, she didn't kill him. And it's here. I think he. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I think somebody. I think uh, Prime Bobby created like a big patch of yeah. snow. 
that he lands in. Um, yes, yeah, like, thank me for being one of the good yeah. guys, and yeah, he did that. Now here comes a part that I'm pretty sure you all have a lot to say about. I got big problems with her. You know, talking about undefined powers that she can use her powers of weather to control unstable molecules. And all he, what he was doing, this is what he had said on his website, was that, you know, past stories, uh, other writers, including Claremont, or uh, not other writers, but Claremont, basically, had basically shown that Storm was able to manipulate her costume, and she had said so even in other issues. But to me, I always took that as, as that her, her costume could be made to look like almost like regular clothes, and if she gave it like a little charge of electricity, it's unstable molecules, it would then form into her regular costume. Right, and I, I'll buy that, that Reed Richards, because it said that Reed Richards provided that, that he had programmed it or something so that if she just gives it a little spark, it becomes something. Yeah, but, but. he took this just a whole other direction and said, oh no, she's got complete control over it and can make it do whatever she wants, like Spider-Man symbiote costume. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not necessarily a a big fan of that, but at the same time, I like the new costume. It yeah. kind of reminds yeah, me of, of Lilu from Fifth Element. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a little dominatrix, but well, um, I'm even thinking that. I mean, again, <laughs> it, it's a, it's black, which is good, but it, but it's got that bandagey thing around around her, which I can understand. You might think that is dominatrix. I just think it looks cool. Okay, yeah, it's just an it's, opinion. Unless, unless it's supposed to rep, maybe she's trying to bandage all her cuts. Because yeah. if you look at her legs, it looks like she does have yeah, some this, cuts. This on. is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah but so maybe which she's would have been to... left over from the guy shards. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, maybe. So, so yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. Did actually uh, follow up there. I just wasn't paying as much good uh-huh. attention there. I do love that shot on the bottom of the three of them. That's a good one. Yeah, flying off. That's not charging. Yeah. Although I'm not that, sure. I'm not sure Bobby could keep up. I'm not sure how fast he can go on his ice slide, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, then we cut to then, then we cut to the the that is absolutely right taken from Carpenter's the thing yeah. that shot of now the two faces merged. Yeah, uh, now we're at Astra Kitty. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Kitty ass. No, no. Um, <laughs> we can call it. It's a catastrophe. <laughs> yeah, that's their name. That's the new being's oh name. God. Catastrophe. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, worried about what's going to happen. Of course, one will live, one will die, and Kalarik is like, yeah. Um, who cares about the human? Yep. Yeah, save our save our world, and, and that's what anyone would do. And then, and I think we know Kitty's not probably gonna. I don't think Kitty's gonna die. I think we can assume yeah. that. But. We can assume that. that. They'll figure it Methadone, out. Methadone yeah. had already shown us that that was uh, not the case. If, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, on Burns' forum, he has got one um, subject out there that's called Methadone. And what that is is that whenever he was, you know, sometimes the month ends sooner, or the story ends sooner in the month than the, the rollover to the next proper Monday, when he's going to start the next issue and you might go up to a week before you get new pages. 
And so on his methadone uh, form, he would sit there and throw out different things, that, things he worked on, things he decided not to use, or things that are coming up in later issues. One of them is a scene of uh, Peter and Kitty in costume walking in the snow. And it looked like it was supposed to be part of uh, that, that future upcoming Dabari storyline that uh, I think was hinted at last issue. Well, we, we speculated yeah. that I think coming out of this that it's going to – she's going to have some residual personality left over from Astra or it's going to heighten her power or it's going to change her power. I hope, yeah, I she's hope there get is some, some kind of effect from, from it, it, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, yeah. though, here uh, Nightcrawler has taken a gamble and done a blind teleport down underground in, in, in the lower levels of the X-Mansion so that he can secure his costume. And, of course, as soon as he's in his costume, he's like, ah, this feels better. Yeah. <laughs> Virtually lived in this and costume I, since I was a child. I think that um, it's not necessarily blind. He knows the area, so he can visualize it and make his way well, yeah, there. yeah, and it, it's his, what he said there. His yeah. only big obstacle would be, is there somebody standing there as soon as he pops in? Yeah. You know, so, um Yeah. But he sees the scene we've already seen where the beast is carrying the professor into the room where the rest of the uh, uh, the people are. Yeah. Joff and, and Colossus and Wolverine and the rest. And there's Magneto standing there and his, uh, he's got his helmet on still, which will get pulled off. Next page. Yeah. Is it next page? Yeah, it is next page. Yeah. Unfortunately, that, that, like, Kurt doesn't know that this is not his Magneto. And we hear that spock, spock again. <clears throat> God. Yep. Ow. <laughs> yeah. But it's a gorgeous scene. I mean, I, I like Nightcrawler coming into the room the way he does, and then, you know, pulling off Magneto's helmet the way he does. That seems to be, that's different than the other, other times we've seen it done in the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, appreciative of the variety there. Well, it's cool. And it's also odd that Magneto says, because B says, oh, it's the other Nightcrawler. And he goes, what? What are you talking about? Well, obviously we haven't seen it yet, but we know that Kirk, the 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 mirror Kirk dies, getting them to this to our timeline, yeah. right universe. But why should there's been counterparts to everybody? So why would Magneto be surprised? It's not that Magneto. That's Nightcrawler saying that. Look at look at the word balloon again. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's where he placed that. I thought that was Magneto saying that. I didn't see that thin uh, word balloon. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. That 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 accomplishes everything. Uh, then, of course, Kurt says, "Oh, you're so much older." So he realizes that he still, I guess, he thinks this is uh, yeah his Magneto, but he just doesn't know why he's. Uh, now, this first panel yeah. on this uh, next page really bugs me because Magneto's head looks almost disconnected from his body. It does. It looks like his head's been knocked it's, off. It's not <laughs> placed placed right there. It's like Burn must have. In fact, you can almost see erasure lines. Um, there, I think he tried drawing it in and didn't like it, so he, he did it again. But uh, it just didn't come out placed properly. And then, and then ties up the plot with um, Vuk. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that in this issue and the last issue, while they've been there, we had not seen Heidner hair of them, and all of a sudden, oh. That's right. They're there. 
Hey, Brian, I would say leaf nor stem, not hide nor hide. You know. <laughs> Where's my bong? Well, well done. <laughs> well, it, it is. It's to your point, Brian. It's like, oh, I've forgotten about these guys, yeah. and he kind of wraps it up real quick, but at the same time leaves hints that there's more because they gather up their shredded up comrades, but we see a little bit left behind, yeah. Yeah. and it seems to be moving. So obviously, he's he's planting a seed for something to come up, uh, yeah. <laughs> something to come up in the. Uh, uh, but, but then, I mean, he yeah. just takes this whole Possibly. this whole page and a half to close the book on Vuk because yeah. I, you know, I mean, yeah, they they may do something with the remainder of the the, the people that Wolverine turned into a Caesar salad, um, that which they collect up with their little dustbusters, uh, and then they go yeah. out to that amazing ship that's basically been around for thousands of years and is still as near as good as new. As, as, as nobody's as, run into and, it, and it's been so well, it was invisible. <laughs> I think it, oh, yeah. it was quirked Still. or whatever. Anyway, but you know that you can say goodbye to the the remainder of the Dabari. They're they're gone. I don't think that we're going to see them furthermore in Elswin. I think we're going to get a Dabari that grows and becomes an X Men. Hmm. Yeah, so you think they left enough behind? To yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, it's gonna, he'll be like. Or? Something yeah. he'll grow into something, and it. And I don't think they're going to come back into the story. It'll grow, and it'll be. Uh, you'll get probably a little broccoli kid, and they'll have to raise it or something, and then it'll become. Well, or the next it man. just won't. I mean, who knows? Because we don't know. I mean, do they have retained any memory from their parent, or you know, I don't know. Yeah, anything know. like that. And isn't it that Burn likes to always leave things? leaves the toys back in place when he's finished with something. So this kind of leaves the Vuk or the Dabari toys still in place, you know, from the Avengers storyline. It's there's still, there's still possibility for a writer to take it up and do something yeah, if right. they want, or it can just sit there and not do anything. Yeah. No. Or if it becomes, if it becomes a being, maybe to your point, Brian, of the, the demon, maybe this is going to be a vessel for the demon Ooh, or something. Maybe there'll be some kind of connection that there. That would be interesting. Yeah. Going on to the next page, back on Earth, we see Professor Xavier trying to assess the situation. And for some reason, it makes no sense to me. He paralyzes Colossus. Well, Colossus had punched. Yeah, but that was after that was due to Magneto's manipulation. I mean, Magneto moving metal is not at all, you know, Peter's doing, you know, paralyzing Peter from being able to do anything still makes him a mannequin that Magneto can manipulate. So I don't understand true. that. It wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't stop anything, right? Magneto could just do it. He should just focus on and Magneto. And with Magneto's helmet off, you know, it, you know, he should be just taking care of Magneto as it is. But we go away from that. Um, uh, Magneto, uh, uh, Professor probing Magneto's mind and finding out what's actually going on there. Uh, we see, you know, Cyclops, of course, uh, dealing with uh, Angel, and because uh, he's got them out of that um, the, the the crap that covered them in the, in the previous panels, but Gene mm-hmm. um, attacks Angel, and then she gets attacked by uh, Quicksilver, who then makes a statement that okay, that's nasty. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about there, or did I lose you guys? 
Well, no, no. Oh, well, I think this is what I, I brought this up earlier. Are, are you referring that Pietro is sleeping with Wanda? No, Pietro you know, basically says that he's been he's spent nights in Jean's bed. That's what I thought. Okay, that's so they're almost like they're a couple, or has he been doing that behind his back to kind of get back at Cyclops because he was with Wanda? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's the case, why would Gene allow that unless Magneto is allowing Maybe it to Magneto happen? Magneto is allowing it to happen. It's all it's all very to keep uh, Quicksilver off his mind. Yeah. yeah. But everybody, when when Gene gets knocked out, it's like everybody in these issues is getting blindsided. How often does a character come out of nowhere and just knock somebody out or blast them or, uh, you know, because Quicksilver blindsides Gene, then Scott can't do it, and then Gene and uh, Scott are both blindsided by Wanda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, Quicksilver wants to kill them, but he says, no, my, Magneto says, no, my other self wants these two alive. And then uh, our then angel it, comes forth, and he's got uh, Alt Angel's sword, and basically, you know, throws. I, I, I don't. I think it's a bluff, but he gets attacked by Alt Cyclops. Well, see there when he's when he's over when Angel is over the other angel's body, he grabs a sword. It looks like a sword. Yeah. It's like he hasn't turned it right. on yet. So it is a physical sword. But then he spins it in his hand, and it looks like this. Uh, some is that sword. what he's doing? Spinning yeah. it. Like or he's pistol? turning it on. Doing? I mean, I thought he was spinning it. I mean, you can. That's what I thought. It looks more like he's turning it on. But yeah, because he does it yeah. in the bottom panel. It is on. You can see, but it's not a straight blade. It's kind of like almost like it's fizzling out. Yeah. It's so weird how that blade is supposed to work, and so I'm 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 curious about that. And then he's blindsided by yep. Scott. <laughs> and then, of course, the next page is the page with the squirrel. Yeah. Right. That I, I, I bypassed this because I thought it had something else to do with I it. I do but, like uh, what he did in that very it, bottom panel with the, the little explosion, I'll say. But, they're, they're, you know, again, he's done some uh, argle-bargle with uh, a little bit of electric eraser work. And I, I think mm-hmm. he may have done the paper towel trick, too. Yeah. It's still hard to tell what that yeah. is. And then the next page, of course, is back up on the, the Shire plane, uh, Shire ship, that is. And um, But they're detecting something still down on the surface. Mm-hmm. But that whatever happened on the surface seems to be affecting Lalandra. So that's, yeah, that's, that's why I immediately thought it was whatever was happening. If there was a little residual the bit Phoenix. of the Phoenix took over... Blasted the squirrel Ooh, or the took him over, whatever. Thing got messed up with the the Nagari demon stuff that's out there, because it's all in the same area, you know. Instead of Squirrel yeah. Girl, we're gonna get Squirrel Phoenix. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's uh, I mean that last page. Um, I mean any, anything with the Shiar is always looking cool, and there's a lot of good burn tech in there. But he's done everything according to the artwork that, that Dave Cockrum did of this vessel, because Dave Cockrum is the one that came up with the original design. Do you see almost a well, cube shape behind the, the Shire I, ship? I, I, would say Roddenberry, I would say Roddenberry came up with the original design. Well, okay. yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about when they made these bug-shaped ships. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's supposed to be the largest starship that they have right there. 
I like the one he designed that we saw in the in the Dark Phoenix saga, the one that uh, Phoenix dismantled. Oh little, yeah, that was cool. That's a little that's a little bug. Oh, that one. Talk about the big yeah. Star yeah. Cruiser. I, I definitely like that. Anyway, this this last page, of course, is is basically <clears> telling you, you know, basically giving you the uh, seeds of what's supposed to be coming up in the future. <laughs> At some and point. the title for the next issue: Parallel Lives Meet at Infinity. Which that's is that not a play on some other statement? Parallel lines meet at infinity. That's right. Probably that's, But that's yeah. that's what that's a play on. It's just that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so that is, of course, the end of. Uh, is this issue twenty one? Twenty. 20. 20. But uh, all in all, again, both these issues are very enjoyable. Obviously, there are some questions in the storytelling. But as I sit there and I think about it more and more again, he is not doing this like he did the books back in the day. Back in the day, he would have brief outlines, probably one or two you know, sentences, outlines of the stories that he was going to do. And then he would he would come up with those. Now, here... He's got several points he's got up in the air, multiple storylines, and he's trying to keep moving forward. And he's just drawing what he wants to draw and then, you know, fitting the script to it. And I think that, you know, that that leads him in areas where he's got to make a couple stretches. So it's not the strongest storytelling, but it's still incredibly enjoyable to look at. I think that's someone he could benefit from an editor. Uh, that would tighten a lot of this but up. I think and... that's, but that's the thing he really wants to stay away from. You know, one right. of the things he has but, done uh, though is he's been taking and showing his pages to his friends, who are you know making comments and kind of giving him little nudges here and there. But I don't think he's going to professional friends. I think he's just going to friends that you know mundane that look at it and go, "Wow, this is really cool." But why did you do that? You know. But they're not going to ask about the storytelling points much more than they are going to ask about the artistic points. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I also wonder if it, if it, and of course I'm reading these kind of sparsed out by weeks and mm-hmm. months. Uh, I can imagine if you guys are reading a page, you know, page at a time, that would be, I would think, frustrating. But it is, and I it wonder if it. Because every day you get another new piece, every day it's a little bit more of the puzzle coming together. But at the same time, yeah, you want the whole book at once. But yeah, I wonder if him doing page by page changes a little bit of his storytelling because it seems like almost every page is almost like a little mini cliffhanger yeah. to the next page. And it's, if he had if he had drawn these all out at one time instead of doing them almost serialized I mean, like he's he, doing it, the, the the fact of the matter is that he's been doing this like you would do a comic book. I mean, he's just the way he's writing it is different because you know he's writing it as he goes, but he's gotten you know like he's been up to what five or eight issues ahead at some points, and then he'll sit there and look at things and realize, wow, you know I should actually move this storyline up to here, and then he'll redo the pages so that you know it works it into the story organically. And yeah. as a result, he is he he got into a point where he's just like one month ahead, and but then he's catching up with the extra pages that he's got at the at the end that he hasn't used yet. So it's it's almost like he's making this big jigsaw puzzle, but he's got all the pieces in place for a good while down. 
But because he's moved the plot lines around, he's having to play a little bit of, I don't want to say catch up, because, it's again, it's not like he's really behind. Well, no, he's doing it at his own pace. I, 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 don't, I don't want to sound like I don't think these are enjoyable. I mean, the artwork is, is, is for the most part, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty spot on. There's a few places, you know, that it's a little wonky. And for the storytelling is, you know, sometimes things aren't quite making sense. I think he's kind of missed some character uh, characterizations a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, it's not it's an enjoyable read. It's just it's just to be it gets to be a little frustrating sometimes. Well, I, I don't think that there's any love, much love for Pablo and Ashley or nor, nor was there for the Evans boy. And, um, you know, th- those storylines. So having them in here, you know that they're just, uh, uh, as you say, deus ex machina uh, for whatever yeah. he's going to need to help resolve the storylines. But we've got other things coming in down the road that are also like, oh, wow, because they could fix everything with this or change everything with that. It, We'll see where he gets with it. But, uh, I mean, there, yeah, it... it, it, it it's not necessarily where everybody wants it to go, and so there's you know complaints. But at the same time, well, it's, it's a free meal. Why are you walking away hungry? Well, well, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> if, you, if you're paying for this, maybe you would drop off and stop reading it because you know the, the least forced you to buy this stuff. I don't think anybody would but, stop buying this if it was on the stand. Um, so I, I just don't, you know. I mean, but again, that's an opinion. And, and uh, the, the other thing I'll say. In these last couple of issues, aside from one misspelling that I caught, the lettering has been so perfect that you don't really notice it, you know? His lettering skills have gotten really, really good with how he's been doing these early issues. They were a little, you know, some of the spacing and and, and utilization of the word balloons was a little off. But uh, these last couple of issues, they've been pretty much perfect. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got you know a couple of missteps, but that's I put that on me for not noticing it the way he's had it. And, and sometimes it's hard, I think, because it's all in black and white. You, your brain doesn't quite uh, separate it out if it was inked and colored. You could the the white word balloons would obviously stand yeah. out. Uh, sometimes some of this it gets it gets a little lost, but uh, I mean, yeah, for the most part, I I'm have been happy with, and it, I think it'd be interesting to go back and read them. In one sitting to just read them as as issue after issue instead of kind of reading them a little bit here a little bit there and see how well it holds up reading them as one continuous story. Um, once he kind of you know once he gets to the end, wherever that's going to be, or when he stops being fun and he wants to move on to something else, mm-hmm. uh, if he wraps this up or if he sleeps this hanging so he'll like, he come back to it later. Um, or does he reset everything so when he's done, does he reset everything so it kind of fits in with what came after he left? To John's point, he kind of puts the toys back where they are so that uh, you could read this and then continue reading the, uh, the rest of the X-Men. Yeah, I wonder about that. Would you yeah. want to read the other X-Men after that? <laughs> oh, I mean, there, there's good X-Men stories after Burr yeah. left. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't the... The end all be all of him and him and Claremont. No, so, and, and, and um, I mean the thing is, and I I like a lot of what Claremont did perfectly fine on its own. Um, I I see where his strengths and weaknesses are though, and and 
you know, it, it's it, 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 a bunch of it is dependent upon the artist's storytelling ability as to whether Claremont right. stories and writing, you know, shine through properly. But if your artist, while he may draw cool looking things, doesn't have great story, sequential storytelling ability, uh, can really hurt what he's trying to do. Exactly. Well, what do you think, John? You got any comments, thoughts, concerns? Um, well, um, you know, I I think some of the criticism is just people that care, yeah, and and they're interested. Sometimes it does go on a little bit too much, or people are quick to uh, sometimes make a critic critic comment rather than just let play it out. Or I think sometimes people are just being too scrutiny. I mean, sometimes you just gotta it's. A, it's a comic book story. I'm not saying because it's free we have to accept anything he gives us. I'm saying that, you know, there's a lot of – it's comic book stories. And like we did as kids, we just excused a lot of stuff. We just got to suspend um, a lot of uh, physics and science and stuff like that because it's just comic books. Yeah. And these are people that fly through the air. I mean, there's no way that a person's going to fly through the air that we know of. So just accept it. Well, <laughs> you know? I'll put but it like I'm liking the story. I'm liking the, uh, sometimes I think it's goes back and forth too many times. I think he's juggling too many plot lines. It's like, uh, and um, I kind of, I'm not as negative about Pablo and Ashley, but I think it's, I'm not, I think work them a little bit better as part of the story or just kind of take them off the table. Um, I don't want them to be the, oh, at the end of this, it's going to wrap up with them saving everything. Kind of like, oh, we just went back in time and it's all a time travel story and everything is (laughs) set. So, you know, I'm hoping you'll do do that, um, work, work their parts into it a little bit more usefully than we've been seeing so far. Right now they kind of show up do something and then disappear and it's, it doesn't really seem like it furthers or is a big part of the integration. So if it is, I'm hoping to see that a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. Use, use them or lose them. Because if they were to disappear right now, I wouldn't miss them. I mean, I don't dislike them, but they're just, there's not enough there for me to latch onto either develop as characters uh, <clears throat> and don't have them come in at the very, like you said, John, have them come at the very end and suddenly they, you know, Pablo uses some kind of power to, to alter reality and, and revert everything back to the way it was. Um, do something with him. I know he's trying to explore. He seems like he's trying to explore something with Pablo's autism, but yeah. he doesn't seem to be doing anything with it. It's just like, oh, he's autistic, so he's not responsive, but he's also a mutant. He seems to have a connection with Wolverine, but where are you going with that? Maybe it'll play out but it seems like he doesn't quite know how he's going to figure out how to to utilize the other than the fact that they're two mutants that can do things when they need to do things or react to something um, when something happens. So, yeah, And I think the part of the problem with that is, is that we have had nothing but nonstop action since issue one. And, uh, even in in the regular Lamar, the way that we did things is there were some down pages and down time to explore character. These are two characters that we really know very little to nothing about, and so really there's no reason for us to care about them one way or the other. Exactly. You know, I mean, Kitty's new newly introduced to this series of X Men, but 
we have a history with Kitty from the original timeline, so we are we automatically bring that in with us. Uh, but and and Ashley, I think <laughs> I know she was introduced in the X Men Hidden Years, but I barely remember her, and I don't even care, you know. <laughs> so so he hasn't made us care about them. I mean, if they disappear, if we never saw them for the through the rest of the story, I would be like, oh, that's right, where's Pablo and Ashley? You know, so make us care about them. Make us wonder, you know, if something does happen to them, why? You know, I mean, why should we care about it? So, yeah, I mean, I think he needs to spend a little more time in some of the development to um, actually develop these characters into characters. Right now, they're just two-dimensional add-ons to me. Hmm. And I think to a lot of people. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I can understand cool. that. I, You know, I, I'm sitting there looking at at these issues versus what I've picked up at, you know, my LCS, you know, cause I've tried picking up some of the more uh, recent books, Captain America, Spider-Man and some other things. And I can't get into them. I mean, part of it is the decompressed nature of the story. Part of it is just not knowing where, you know, anything came from and where it's been going to. But again, if someone were to pick up issue 20 here and read this on its own, they're not going to have any clues what's going on. And I can understand that. This isn't like, you know, back in the day where there was an explanation for everything. You know, Chris Claremont would sit there and recap everything during the course of the issue because he could he would fill up every open space with word balloons of, you know, you know, alliteration, past information. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's a good story. It's interesting. It it flows pretty well, even though it jumps back and forth, like like you guys said earlier, whiplash. But you know, it is some beautiful artwork, and I think he's doing um, a well enough job um, bringing the stories together and and bringing us through to interesting stuff. I mean, you know, uh, at the end of this issue, you're like, okay, what's happening now? We've we've got. Lalandra maybe waking up to a Phoenix thing, and then we've got, you know, um, all X Men versus regular X Men. What's going to happen? So yeah, there's there's some. Yeah. It definitely brings you into wanting to read the next issue, which is good. Um, yeah, I like, and which um, which is what we need. Now, I I have been tending to just read every every page on its release every day. Or, you know, and um, I guess it's because I just can't wait. But I'm thinking maybe I should wait and do what Tim does or what Kirk's done and just read the whole thing at once like I would when I was collecting them. I wonder if that might give me a different perspective to the story. But I just don't know if I could wait the whole month. <laughs> well, I, I assume that when you guys read a page at a time, that when the, the last page is out, you go back and read the whole story, right? Um, no, I no, I haven't. So maybe yeah, okay. I mean, I, I've just you been know. taking it as it comes. And sometimes, if I want to go over it, I'll uh, I'll you know start it back at the beginning or stop it, start at the uh, the uh, top page for that that part. Because when when Burn posts them, he's able to post about uh, fifteen or eighteen pages on the first uh, page of his post, and then. He has to go to a second page to do it based on, I guess, the amount of data that's being posted to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like sometimes I'll just go, okay, I'll go from the top and I'll just refresh on what I've, you know, gotten over the last couple days. Yeah. 
Well, I think we can uh, kind of wrap this up. You guys got any final thoughts on our, uh, you know, it's been a while since we revisited this, but it, it, it starts to come back as you read it, you know, and to your point, John, he is doing a good job of it, making you want to come back and finding out. He's leaving you, he's whetting your appetite. So he's, he's doing that, which is what every story should do, you know, mm-hmm. want you to come back and find out what is going on or what's happening. And there is some not, really interesting stuff coming along. Yeah, yeah he's the, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. So yeah, I mean some thunderous events coming up. Uh, that's that's for yeah. sure, and I can't wait to to get there. Uh, what do you guys think? And and obviously, you know, we've talked a little bit about the criticism that's come in, and we've given our own uh, a bit of criticism here. But yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't want people just slamming him and slamming it, um, you know, relentlessly, because that, that's one of the things I've been sadly seeing a lot of uh, out on on the the Facebook groups. And you know, I've spoken up a little bit about it, and uh, been blocked by people as a result. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but let us know. Writers had got to get burned at gmail.com. That's g o t t a g e t b y r n e d at gmail.com and let us know what you think or feel or again as as we said earlier leave us a, a review at uh, uh apple podcast formerly itunes we'd love to hear from you uh you could also of course just you know say, say something to us on our facebook page third degree burn uh if you haven't joined us uh go ahead and join us become a member we put stuff out there uh all, all throughout the weeks and uh try to have fun yeah, and a lot of other members are putting out stuff mm-hmm. that are joined. So we you get a lot of it's not just right. us. You know, we have a, a pretty big community of people putting stuff out. There's uh, that show that related stuff. Michael right, Fitzgerald yeah. Troy's been putting out regularly, where he's doing uh, a, a visual review of issues on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the uh, Spanish contingent that's been doing a lot of stuff there that I don't necessarily always understand, but hey, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Bilingual yeah. X-Men. You guys oh. got anything else? No. No, no. I think we did a pretty good job. I think uh, it's a shame Kirk had to leave because uh, it's always interesting to hear what Kirk's got. But hopefully we can get Kirk and Dave back on next mm-hmm. show, whether that's Elswin or, you know, what we're going to cover yet. Um, yep. Well, John, you never know what you're do you want to take us out? <laughs> yeah, All sure. Right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us. And do leave us your comments and send us your emails. And please do do a review for us because, again, that just kind of pops us up a little higher on the, the find listing. So for um, Third Degree Burn, thanks for joining us. Say goodbye, Tim. Goodbye. Brian Hughes. That's me. And uh, on behalf of Kirk, we'll say goodbye from Kirk. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> See you guys. Thanks. That's a pretty good Kirk. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. 
Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You're next, and then John, and then uh, Kirk. And I'm going to bring up something, you know, when we, as we cover these books that we don't typically talk about when we're talking about burn. So this will be fun. Let's see if you can guess what I'm going to talk about. Sex. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about that, I'm afraid, but uh, right? not did because you get of that. Did you get that sex video that he released by accident <laughs> on the internet? I don't think so. X message of a schlong. <laughs> Golly. Oh. Anyway, thick lines because of the inking. All right. So, <clears throat> me, 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 me. Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. <clears throat> Starting in five, four, three, two, one.